Hello everyone, Callie Hannah here with a quick disclaimer from the future, 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 future. <laughs> the episode you are about to hear was recorded prior to my public coming out as a transgender woman. As such, you will hear myself and others refer to me by my dead name and he, him pronouns, and that is not how I want to be referred to now. I, well, I go by Callie and I use she, her pronouns. Uh, the rest of the episode has been left as is for the purposes of historical preservation, but uh, just know that it is not accurate to my current uh, gender identity. Thank you, and enjoy the show. The hipster and the nerd. Yes, hipster and the nerd. The nerd. One went to the genius. The other is quite absurd. Exactly which is which. Off the fence is which. Yes, good sir. The hipster and the nerd. 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 Hipster and the nerd. Created by Steven Spielberg? No. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hipster and the Nerd, the podcast where we discuss movies, TV shows, comic books, video games, and all manner of geek and pop culture to see what we can make of it. I am Chris Hanna. With me, of course, is my co-host, Brian Brecker. How are you doing today, Brian? Welcome back. You're watching the Disney Channel. Da-da-da-da! Uh, yeah, today we're going to be talking about the Owl House, and we'd like to make an announcement, something we definitely oh, agreed no, on. We, no, no, that, no, uh, no, 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 no. That if we make it to 10,000 oh, listeners, no. we will watch all of Hannah Montana. <laughs> this is... Look, we will we will watch all of something and drive ourselves insane. Hannah Montana. You get the best of both worlds, Chris. Take it out, take it slow, it and out, then you're on for the slow, show. Then you rock out the show. Why do I remember this? <laughs> God. Chris, don't you don't you want that uh look <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus goodness in your life? I mean, I do kind of want to watch 29-year-old Jason Earls with a medical condition, but, you know, that's neither here nor that makes him look really younger. But that's neither here nor there. So, yeah, the Hanathon, the Montana Anyways. Marathon, the, Mon the Montanathon is definitely something uh, we're going to do. Definitely. Mate. Right, Chris? To be determined. Before we before we uh, get into the episodes, I do want to I do have musical introduction because if you're like, if, if you are a civilized and proper uh a tv viewer you probably love the owl house theme song and and watch it every time and don't skip the intro i skipped the intro like a fucking monster <laughs> god <laughs> but chris it it saves me time when i skip the intro but you're missing an integral part of the tv watching experience the pacing is all wrong this is no if the show is made and it has the option to skip the intro, there shouldn't be, is it okay, really integral they, to the viewing they shouldn't experience? Be the op there shouldn't be the option to skip the intro at all, quite frankly. I, of course there should be. No, it saves me five no, there seconds. Shouldn't, there shouldn't. And I also... No, you shouldn't skip You shouldn't skip the intro, ever. Don't skip the intro. I should, never. yes. Yes, you should. No. You're going to regret that when we watch Hannah Montana. <laughs> no, I won't. Because we're not going to watch Hannah Montana, and even if we did, yes, we are. I, I can recognize, I can recognize that the intro is an integral part of the TV watching experience, and and anyways, you get the best of both worlds. Anyways, so yeah. Anyways, but you probably wish it had lyrics 
and I am here to provide. Have you acquired liquids? Yes, I have. And now, all right, wonderful. Here we go. Blue stamper fade in, caught up being neurodivergent, but then she stumbled on a place that didn't care about her mistakes and was instead filled with magic and demons and monsters and all sorts of danger but that's okay cause with the help of her new mentors and friends in figure this out what secrets lie in the owl house dun 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 okay well uh Bye, technically. For real, like you've met someone who's lit, like, like they equally men and women, there's no subtle preference. Yeah. Whoa, what are those people like? Extremely, like, like really bisexual. You know what I mean? But well, yes. there's another one who's gay, but uh, that's. Bye, uh, bye, bye. Bye, 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 bye. Anyways, so now that our musical introduction is uh, out of the way, we can begin with the first episode of the series, A Lying Witch and a Warden. Um, I love Directed the... by Stephen Sandoval. Yes. And story by Zach Marcus, John Bailey Owen, Dana Terrace, Dana Terrace. Rachel Vine, Donna Terrace, Dana. and Rachel Vine Dana. with the teleplay. <laughs> Dana Terrace. Dana? Yes. All right, and the storyboard was by Busuk Bo Coburn, Kat Harmon Mitchell, Steven Sandoval, and Donna Terrace. Dana. Dana. And it aired on January 10th, 2020 to 0.61 million viewers. All right. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, so the episode opens on this fun... I, I love this little fantasy animation. It makes me laugh every time. And it's just, just the, the Azura blasting the snake. Of the, My only weakness! dying <laughs> it just yes. it gets me every time but of course this is just a book report being given by our actual main character luce noceda a 14 year old uh bisexual gender non-conforming dominican-american afro-latina neurodivergent girl who is the best main character in a cartoon ever yeah are you forgetting about double d from edda and eddie i mean double d's pretty good but like he's no luce noceda like that's true yeah so anyways, she is in the principal's office because her her book report involved releasing live snakes um, into the school. And yes. this is not the first time she's gotten in trouble like this. She has done a lot of, uh, shall we say, disruptive creativity um, yes. because she's, she doesn't really have a proper outlet to express herself because the public school system is inherently ableist and loses neurodivergent. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And uh, then she uh, I, has to go to a summer camp. Yeah. Right? What? I, uh, yeah. Yes. Although, what I want to know is, frankly, I feel like some of the blame for this here should be put on the irresponsible adult who gave the fourteen-year-old access to live snakes and, and firecrackers in the first place, because that element's never talked about for some reason. <laughs> Look, all right, guys, got to make his money. You got to sell firecrackers to children. Fourteen-year-olds can't just, just sold nine yesterday. 40-year-olds can't just get this stuff. Um, anyways. Hey, that, not, if, not if they don't know where to get it, they can't. Any, anyways, so basically, so her mom, Camila, is like, all right, look, 
I, I get that, you know, I, it's good that you express yourself, but also you got to stop releasing live snakes. So if you don't tone this down, we're going to have to send you to, to normal camp. And uh, I want to say, for the record, according to season two, this camp wasn't actually that bad. Minor spoilers. Um, but uh, in real life, parents don't send your kids to normal camps, like conversion camps. It's a bad idea. It's not going to end well. Don't do it. Just, just I do. turned out fine. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, no, just... that's not a good idea. And uh, while waiting to be picked up, an owl takes her yeah, favorite so book ba- and she yeah. chases it to an abandoned house that transports her to the boiling yeah, aisles. The tiny trash reef. I'd also like to point out that as they're talking, uh, this is where it is confirmed that Luce makes AMVs. I want to know what Luce's AMV channel is. I, I need yes. this in my life. So anyways, after... Uh, she throws out her favorite book in as a symbol of her trying. She immediately goes to get it back, but it is stolen by a tiny by an owl and tiny cash tree that leads her into the boiling aisles. And she meets up with Ida, a merchant of human goods. Goods. She is a uh, bitchy drag queen that's very jaded and doesn't like people. Could you give us some of your political beliefs? Kill everyone now. Condone first-degree murder. Advocate cannibalism. And is voiced by uh, Wendy Malick, who some of you may yes. know as Chicha from The Empress New Groove. Um, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, so she... So so where, where Luz is like uh, an overflowing fountain of positive vibes, Edna is like a Ida. cynical... Ida. Ida. That's why I said Ida. Ida is like a cynical, witchy, kind of like, I don't like people. Kind of like your cool aunt that drinks yeah. a little too much wine. She's you know? too, well, too much apple blood. But yes, <laughs> too, much, too much apple blood. We'll get to mean, that. Do you mean uh, wine? No. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, I yeah. also, I just love the look where, so she ru- she runs off after she grabs the book because Ida's going to use it as like kindling. Um, and she sees this, we get this whole like world shot of the Boiling Isles itself and all these different buildings and different monsters. It's it's really, it's... The monsters are my favorite part. I yeah. really love the monster design. The creature design is great and the world and the world design and background art of this show is just beautiful. Um, it's uh, it's apparently uh, been very, it's very inspired by the works of uh, Hieronymus Bosch. Um, oh that makes sense yeah so yeah yeah, i really love the look of this and i also love this is one of my it's one of my favorite jokes in the whole show it gets me every single time is she is she sees this fairy and is like oh hello little fairy are you going to tell me this is all a fantastical dream give me your skin (laughs) (laughs) every fucking time i laugh so hard but anyways anyway so so eventually so she so loose ida grabs loose and after explaining that she is not going to eat Luce, Luce, Luce is able to get a clearer look at her stand of human collectibles. And uh, and then she's introduced to, to the king of demons. Yeah, well, that comes in a bit. but And even yes. manages to impress Ida with her with her knowledge of human stuff. Because she puts the little batteries in the TV and then and everyone wants to buy it. Because they want to eat the tiny person inside. But, yes. and, it, and this is where Ida finally explains that she is not just a no, any normal human or a human at all, but Ida, the Owl Lady, the most powerful witch on the Boiling Isles. I am a respected, Debatable. feared, busted. <laughs> because she is not just the Boiling Isles' most powerful witch, she is the Boiling Isles' most wanted criminal for quote-unquote misuse of magic and demonic misdemeanors and so Ida and Luce are able to make their escape and Ida explains to Luce that the Boiling Isles is the origin point of all human myths griffins 
vampires, giraffes. Giraffes they aren't real. They apparently banished the giraffe. giraffes. Are, giraffes are robots meant to look inside uh, your windows. No, 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 no. We, we, the giraffes are demons. Giraffes are demons that have been banished to the human realm. <laughs> I've got questions about that. But anyways. Uh, we get introduced to the king of demons. Yes, but anyways. My, my favorite character. King King is definitely one of my favorite. My, I mean, well, I, I, well, this is probably a topic that will come up throughout the discussion, but... Um, in these kinds of shows, um, in these kinds of like ensemble-driven, serialized, animated shows, as for as much as I will usually like the main character, they're very rarely my favorite. Luce is my favorite in the in the show. Like I love Luce. I love her energy. I love how the positive. She is also my favorite. Yeah. And so is Ida. Ida is also my favorite. Ida is great too. I, I have a soft spot for Ida and King, and uh, well, later on Amity, but we'll get to Amity. Um, Amity's a bitch. What are you talking about? Well, she gets. You haven't seen her grow, <laughs> is the is the thing. So, anyways, so Lu, so Ida takes Luce to her home in the uh, the titular owl house where she escapes from modern life, the cops, and her exes. I yes. also really love the house of security system, Hootie, the bird tube. He is an enigma, and I love him. And we will we we will definitely talk about him in more detail later. And this is where we are. Uh, Hootie. The, the 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 bird hoot all right all right jeez you never want to have any fun ow yeah uh ida introduces uh Luz to the king of demons king of, king of demons i love the intro where like you see this like the the floor starts shaking and there's this ominous shadow it's like who dares intrude upon i the king of demons and it's just this little wolf thing in like a bath towel and he's got a rubber ducky <laughs> well he's the best dog he's the best i can't he's so cute <laughs> disney make an official king plushie you cowards like... so yeah ida promises to take Luz back home as she helps them get king's crown, crown back from the warden rat because... at his prison yeah because according to ida the story she gives that king was a mighty king of demons but then his crown of power was stolen by Warden Wrath, and it's being protected inside of a force field that only a human can get through. So they need Luce, being a human, to break in and get it. And I and the place it, is called the Conformatorium. The Conformatorium, which is just <laughs> wow. Guess that metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a it's a parallel to the summer camp, obviously. Exactly. The the summer camp that was meant to make her normal, the Conformatorium, and she eventually, you know, she breaks out everybody from the Conformatorium. Yeah, because she meets because so, she is because they sneak a kindred into the, spirit to yeah, all of the weirdos and outcasts. They're able you know. to because they they break into the Conformatorium, and she discovers that all of the people who are locked in aren't criminals. They're just a bunch of weirdos. Like there's a girl who writes food based fan fiction. Like I like her. Lo- yeah, great. I like her. She's she my act- favorite character. She actually comes back in uh, minor spoilers. She actually does come back in season two. <laughs> no, don't spoil things for me, Chris. Sorry, I'm very sorry. I'm sorry. Um, and then the other ones. What are the yeah, other ones? Yeah, the other like? ones because there's the there's the guy who eats his own eyes. And Love then, him. And my favorite character. And then there's the little. Uh, and then there's. Dana Terrace's uh, avatar, Tiny Nose, who's big into I hate I hate Tiny Nose. <laughs> Tiny Nose sucks. All right, I, I think I'm gonna go a... off on Tiny Nose here. All right, <laughs> Tiny Nose doesn't even fit into the art style of the rest of the show. He's just a circle with a nose. She, <laughs> she, yes. Tiny Nose is a is a lady. Yes. 
I did not know this. I'm sorry, Tiny Nose. <laughs> they refer um, to her by by she her pronouns. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I, I don't really get I don't get the uh, I don't get what t- Tiny Nose is all about. You well, know what's well that, it, what's what's her deal? Well, that the world is a simulation. You know, we are but playthings mm. for a higher being. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe uh, Tiny Nose will have a, a redemption arc. <laughs> Tiny Nose redemption arc. I am in episode eleven. <laughs> I am all. <laughs> okay, well maybe not. Well, not that. Not that. Because we've got to mention we're only talking about the first. Yeah, half we of this should. Season. We should mention we are talking about the first half of the season. Uh, Which is why episode. we edited in the phrase first half very inconspicuously you might you might have missed it um it's seamless seamless seamless. editing Um, seamless but anyways um so then warren rass shows up and he says you know there's no place in society for you if you can't fit in same guess that metaphor (laughs) Hmm. i also love the my weak nerd arms line which eventually which eventually becomes kind of a moot point because as the, as the series goes on, Luce has clearly been working out. <laughs> well, yeah, Luce uh, has has noodle arms, you know. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> like uh, all the other nerds, you know. All, all the other nerds, and they eventually they they get to the the force field area, and Luce is like, you know, it's not fair that they're all you know locked up in here. Why does everyone think being a weirdo is so bad? You know, Luce, it's because they're ableist. Because <laughs> this is a metaphor for being neurodivergent. <laughs> Hmm. We're just being different in general. Well, I it's a, like. it's a it's a metaphor for being ostracized and being in a you know a so, being a social outcast or a minority or otherwise ostracized. But it's also, especially given Luce's canon neurodivergency, it does read as very specifically a neurodivergent metaphor. Like I read it more as um, I mean, like you can queer interpret and more nerdy to me, but that might be where I'm coming. You from. can interpret it more broadly, but like it right. does, especially the you know, there's no you know, you have to conform to the specific societal standard of normalcy. Feels very much like this is a metaphor for for being neurodivergent. That feels very much to me like uh, a metaphor for being LGBT. <laughs> I mean, it could. I mean, also honestly, why not both? It's probably, yes. it's just, it's being real. It's kind of both. Um, yes. But anyways, she, anyways, they break through the force field and they discover that King's crown is actually just a, a fast food crown and it doesn't give like many, a Burger King crown. Yeah, although Burger Queen in, in this universe, right. I do love, he puts on the crown. He's like, you know, I can feel my powers returning. You there, nightmare critter. I shall call you Fred Swan. You shall be a minion in my army of darkness. <laughs> Yeah, basically, but... King Demon is kind of like if Plankton from SpongeBob uh, was more likable and also more obsessed with power. It's kind of like, and I think probably because, you know, they're both voiced by Alex Hirsch, but it's basically like if Bill Cipher couldn't actually do anything. Yes, that's what that's what the, but still had all the bravado that that's that's what the king, that's what King is. <laughs> Yes, but uh, and they successfully break in where Luz discovers the crown is a kid's meal crown. It's yeah, a kid's and meal, yeah. captures them with the intent yeah. to ask Eda out on a date. Well, we well we, I I do want to talk about before we talk about sort of what becomes the thesis for the series because basically mm. it explains you know it doesn't give him powers but you know it's like you know what's important to King is important to her because they they only really have each other in this world and us weirdos have to stick together like and this yes. basically turns into the thesis of the show in that the whole series is effectively like the message of the show is about the importance of found family in marginalized groups, whether, 
you are neurodivergent or LGBTQ or in a minority or you know otherwise disabled or just a or just some form of innocent weirdo like I'm I'm so sick of this one thing like controlling my heart whenever I see it's like oh LGBT allegory found family I'm like damn it I love it gosh it's it's it happens so often you know it happened with She-Ra it happens um it's not explicitly queer with Guardians of the Galaxy but it's kind of of Guardians also it's at least found family at least found family found family uh I love me some found family stories and this is definitely a great found family story although I I have to ask the question how long do they stay in the boiling aisle? Well, by season two, it's been like, so like she explains that like, um, you know what? Actually, I'm going to save this for the, for the, for the end of this episode, for the end of Lion, Witch, and a Warden, because it, it ties more directly into that. So okay. I'm going to, so I'm going to yeah. save this for a moment. So basically, so Warden, so the Warden finds them and decapitates Ida. Decapitation in a children's cartoon. You'll have to see it. But see so yeah, it, but Ida, uh, it doesn't die, of course. Yeah, it's like this just happens when you get witch. older. Yes. It... <laughs> but yeah. Warren Rath has really arranged all this to ask out Ida because, you know, you were always the one that got away. And I find that alluring. I hate everything you're saying right now. <laughs> so, yeah, Ida, I, I, is Ida by? I feel like Ida is. Bi. I honestly, like, based on. Although season... I think she might also be a lesbian. Honestly, I'm not sure. here's the thing. Based on season two, whatever she is, she's definitely not straight. <laughs> like, I I honestly, I get a pan vibe from Ida. Like, mm. Ida doesn't really seem like someone who would give a shit about the gender as long as, you know, as long as, you know, you like, you look good. She's going to go for it, I feel. Like, okay. yeah. I, that's, that's my personal that's 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 my interpretation. Uh, okay, well, yeah, and uh, she the fight breaks out with Luz re- releasing all the prisoners, and together they uh, attack the wrath. They attack the yeah, because uh, she encourages the weirdos because at first they're too consumed by doubt uh, to to even escape. But it's like Luz, you know, encourages yeah, you know, so you have a different way of doing things, a different way of seeing things that make make you weird, but it also makes you awesome. Don't you see? Neurodivergent rights. <laughs> We need a spinoff show about the girl that ships vegetables together. On, look, I would watch <laughs> literally anything in this universe. So yes, like one hundred percent. So yeah, they defeat the wrath, and, uh, yeah, and then they, they de- escape. They defeat the warden, and you know, declare that nobody should be punished for who they are. Damn right. And yes. And I love Ida's line of, you know, let's bounce before any more monsters fall in love with me. <laughs> yeah, and then Luce decides yeah, uh, she has to decide whether Ida, or not to leave or to stay in the boiling yeah, because Ida to gives become her, a witch. Ida gives she, her the she, door. But... She has this obsession with witchcraft because she, she really loves the novel series, the Zora. Uh, yeah, the good know? witch is Zora. She's big into fantasy. And so yes. she sees this and is like, okay, you know, well, all right. So I know today was really crazy and we started a prison riot, but this was also <laughs> like the most fun I've ever had. And this summer camp sounds really terrible. So what if instead of going for the summer camp, I, would I steal spend fast food and disguise it as my own <laughs> cooking, cooking. <laughs> or alternate proposal. I just spend three months here, the summer here and 
stay in the, the boiling aisles and learn to become a witch. Mm, devilishly devious, Luce. Luce. <laughs> so yeah, Let her she stay. settles in for the night and she accepts, you know, she's like, hey, I'll, I'll take you in, you know, okay, whatever. I'll take you just in. gotta take care so, of some yeah, shit here. Yeah, so basically, because all of season one is like maybe about two months. And then, like, by the time we get to season two, like, the camp is over, and it's been at least a couple of weeks, maybe a month. So, like, by by the point we are at now, which is halfway through season two, about approximately three to four months have passed. Wait, aren't her parents worried about where she is then? I can't, I can't explain the reasoning for that because it's a spoiler. Okay. Because <laughs> um, the whole time I was watching these first ten episodes, I was like, "Don't you have parents?" Well, she has a mom. She, her right, mother, like, yeah, like single mom. shouldn't they be texting or something? Well, she does. She does throughout the it the, does the, the first ten episodes. It comes back into play in the in the second half, but we do okay. see her. But we do see Luce texting her mom at the end of this episode. You know, right? Because she's obviously not going to tell her about the demon realm immediately but i would have loose i'm i'm sure these lies are not going to catch up to her in any way and they definitely won't come back you to lied bite to her me in the, bite her in the ass later mm. <laughs> so yeah the first episode is fantastic yes. i love all the characters except for tiny nose <laughs> um, yeah but all the characters are my favorite characters and uh the episode's great a great introduction to all of the characters and i love the uh designs and the monsters and all the magic and i think it's a lot of fun two thumbs up yeah um, five bags of popcorn i would i would generally agree i think a language and a warden you know i've rewatched this episode quite a number of times i feel like it's a really effective first episode it, it, it does everything a good first episode should do. It introduces you to the It's characters. a play on the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Yes, it is. It's a pun. Um, yeah. There's actually, there's a fun thing with the episode titles that I'll talk about in the next time we do this, because, um, but I'll, I'll explain it later. Um, anyway, yeah, but, you know, this does everything a good first episode should do in that, you know, it gives you a feel for the characters, it lets you know who they are, what they want, and it gives you a feel for the world, and it gives you an idea of the tone and what to expect from the rest of the series, like, it, while also being a really fun and compelling and engaging self-contained story in its own right. And, you know, I love yes. all these characters, I love the design of this world, world, and the animation is great. I just, I, I love everything about uh, this episode and i think it's a really great introduction to the series moving yeah. on to witches before wizards episode two witches before wizards directed so, by Stu livingston with story by dana terrace and rachel vine and a teleplay by rachel vine storyboard by charlie bryant harley foster and cat Harmon mitchell uh premiered january 17 2020 to uh 0.43 million viewers um uh, yeah so and so this episode opens. So first of all, we immediately this episode production code one hundred two. Yeah. So first of all, this episode immediately debunks the "it was all a dream" conspiracy theory, which is one of my least favorite tropes. So thank God because she's sleeping and she has flashbacks to the first episode, and then she wakes up and it's like it wasn't a dream. Good morning, terrifying fantasy world. Yes. Good morning. <laughs> And then uh, she's disappointed when Ida, instead of taking her yeah, to be like, you she's, know, she's do fun super, stuff. Yeah, because she's, she's like, hey, go deliver some potions. Yeah, because she's super ecstatic to, you know, 
begin her first day as a as a witch apprentice. You know, she's she's super chipper, saying good morning to everybody. She even goes to the closet and is like, please have witchy clothes, please have witchy clothes, please have witchy clothes, and then she sees they have witchy clothes and she starts stimming in excitement. I love Lou so goddamn much. Um, and <laughs> yes. And uh, King goes with her as Luz yeah. is quick to learn that Bonesboro, the city of the Boiling Isles, is full of creatures that do not care for humans at yeah, all. Yeah, because basically, because Ida, and Ida is not having it because she hasn't even had her cup of apple blood yet. Right. You mean apple juice? You mean juice? wine? No, you mean, you mean apple, apple juice? juice? No. <laughs> <laughs> and sends her to, also it turns out that the witch clothes were just a bathrobe and a really dirty traffic cone, which I find yes. funny. Um, <laughs> I also, because I also wonder, so... The big impetus, one of the things is uh, they explained her, Ida's magic staff. And so she she summons the magic staff and it like bumps into things. And I wonder if Thor ever has to deal with this with Mjolnir. It's, I don't know, maybe. This is something I think about. Anyways, so Ida, in, it turns out, in addition to selling human goods on the weekend, she has a potions business that she primarily does, even though this is the last time the potions business ever comes up in canon. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, and she uses uh, Luz to make deliveries, and then Luz and King come across the castle of a wizard named yeah. Adagast, uh, which is a reference yeah. to the Lord of the Rings, Adagast the yeah. Brown. Because Luz, because Luz is all about like, oh, what if I am, you know, you know, what if I, Luz Noseda, average teen, actually have a predetermined path of greatness. Just and she's like told that she's the chosen one to retrieve a magic staff. Yeah, because basically, because they, because after they do all their deliveries, and it turns out that the Boiling Isles is and Bonesboro is kind of a, you know, everyone just wants to eat her. <laughs> yes, her. They come across the castle of what is seemingly a magical wizard, Sir Adagast, as I mentioned, the Lord of the, Lord of the Rings reference. And uh, King does not trust wizards, but is uh, is is. Uh, is is turned around by the presence of scones um yes which is very in character and the wizard decides to give the give him a give loose a quest to retrieve a celestial staff from this mysterious lake this you know it's peril love peril big fan of peril and well, they go back home to pack for the quest and I also Luz shows the map given to her by Adagast to Ida and King, and they laugh at her like, "Yeah, you don't trust those fucking wizards, trust all con artists." Yeah, because because the because th what what I find interesting about the concepts of, of of witches and wizards in this universe is that, as we see later, witch in this universe is a gender neutral term. Like right. witches just encompass like all generally all magic users, and this but so that kind of raises the question, especially when we find out this guy may not exactly be all who he appears to be. What exactly is a wizard in this universe? <laughs> a wizard is a lying, scheming bastard that preys upon the hopes and dreams of children. I mean, I mean that's one way to put it. <laughs> I mean, that is how they present wizards in this show. That's true, but like, as we see later in the episode, this guy's not a real wizard. And we never... You're not a real wizard. We, I and... like, no, I feel like he is a wizard. Just the our conception of a wizard doesn't translate to the show's conception of a wizard. Hmm. Like, he's a puppeteer demon, you know, obviously. But I think maybe that like that is generally what wizards are. They're all scam artists, like they're all made, created by demons. They're basically. all like they're all just con. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that does probably track, especially since Ida doesn't Ida doesn't trust them either. Like, never trust a man in casual drapery. Um, exactly. And, um. 
but she la- <laughs> but you know they laugh at her and I feel bad for her but uh it turn but it turns out the path of the celestial staff only appears to the worthy so Luce decides to go mm. on the quest anyway um yeah. way uh, with with her tr- way she, with her trusty meets... toy He-Man weapon and she meets yes. Neverith Blade Strife Teen Angst, Prince of Angstmore <laughs> Yeah, um, this guy's amazing. I fucking rippling abs. I fucking love that name. So. Teen Prince of Angstmore. Yeah, never with a blade strike. Teen Prince of Angstmore. <laughs> it reminds me of when George R. R. Martin tried to introduce a character in um a Feast for Crows called Dark Star, and Dark Star was meant to be really cool and really but mysterious. Name, but his name and is his Dark line Star? that everyone makes fun of is he says, "My name is Dark Star, and I am." of the night <laughs> which i think is hilarious yeah. um but yeah this is basically dark star and yeah. uh she, and, she's you know, like mm, but I, i'm gonna i i need to hit that obviously you know? Ooh, hello you know your vengeful backstory yeah. is so compelling <laughs> <laughs> i'd so, also yeah, like she to, goes yeah. and follows him she goes to, and follows uh, the place i just want to i just want to say that the the weird so when they the next the the next step in their quest is they meet a little furry troll and his name is chris i feel attacked i feel personally <laughs> attacked do you identify as a furry troll no this is okay. defamation <laughs> okay well um see then what happens is we get a little troll under the bridge it's like you must answer one riddle and what, then he gives us extremely obvious clue and then yeah. she gets it and she's like wait is that it hmm do you need sounds a cape? fake no, I, I don't know do you need a cape uh, do you need a cape? Oh, I don't need a cape. You can use my shirt. <laughs> yes, of course I, I need a cape. cape. <laughs> um, yeah, and then after that, she comes across uh, this little lake. You yeah, know, and the lake oh, is where she the celestial the, staff after is. After she meets the fairy princess, and all her food was so tiny and cute, entrapped to be like, <laughs> yes. And uh, she's like, mm, I just need to solve this puzzle. And then the the thing will open, and I'll be able to get yeah. the staff. The and thing she, will come up. she sees the she finds the celestial staff all framed like the master sword, and yes. she she she's able to pick it up. It's like, oh, I am the chosen one. I always suspected there was a reason nobody understood my wacky antics back at home. Uh, Luce, <laughs> it's be, it's be, it's because you're neurodivergent. <laughs> what are you talking about? She's the chosen one, except she actually isn't. She actually then... isn't because the celestial staff fades. Because as it turns because out, because then as... we have a SpongeBob SquarePants the movie moment. You know, you know that ice oh, cream monster. Oh yeah, it is like the ice cream monster. I, where, where I, I didn't even think about that. Would you like some ice cream? And then and then uh, the little cat comes out. Yeah, going, because Rrr. as revealed <laughs> by Ida and King and their subplot, um, that's been going on. Uh, the Adagas is not actually a wizard. He is a puppeteer demon who scams and manipulates people and i love the i love the design he, he of feeds on the, on the childish whims uh, of uh, idealistic children yeah you know yes. because and and Luce is betrayed by her own cool accessories and <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he tries to manipulate Luz with his visions uh yeah. his illusions of like don't worry you can be with me the angst you know, yeah you can you know stay with us be our chosen one you know why would you want to live in a world where people laugh at you and you know meanwhile ida and uh the king of demons are like looking for Luz because they're like mm, i don't really trust this because they, they fall because they go back to the castle and it's a wreck and they're like right. oh shit this is this is not a wizard this is a puppeteer demon He's trying to use loose to get to me. Oh, and we're rocking right into his trap. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
And, because apparently, uh, this is all because Adagast wouldn't buy one of the potions. Yeah, because apparently, like that. no, because apparently it was Ida yeah. has apparently been stealing business from Adagast's potion mm-hmm. stand for years, and so right. Adagast wants wants revenge. Uh, because I guess everyone on the aisles has beef with Ida, apparently. <laughs> yes. Well, that's actually confirmed. Yeah, Cause, yeah, cause exactly. She actually like, asked that at one yeah, point. Yeah, does everyone have a beef yeah, with Ida here? And it's just like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, then Adagast is defeated by Ida, who then, then he, he like shrinks, he's a squid monster, a giant squid yeah, he's monster. A, he shrinks a... to a tiny squid, and then Ida eats him, and mm. it's very cute. And afterwards, Ida tells Luz that she must make her own destiny yeah, and shows her the surprising beauty of the boiling of the boiling isles. Because, you know, when you look at it from a different perspective, it's it's beautiful. And yes. that's that's a really that's a really nice sentiment. I so I, I, I like this episode a lot, although I do feel like I kind of knew where it was going from the very beginning. <laughs> I mean, that I mean, they give it away relatively early on. It's not like they try to hide. the Right. Twist. I was like, oh, this is going to be uh, a satire of the chosen one archetype. Yes. And why being a chosen one is dumb and you should make your own way. And But as as a version of that, I think it's really good. I enjoy Adagast and the angst wizards. Yeah. And I enjoy uh, the squid monster. Um, and I like when the squid monster gets eight. Uh, it's very good. And I like when uh, King Demon eats the scones. I gotta say that squid monster, probably my favorite character, obviously. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, so, Chris, what did you think of the episode? I really enjoy Witches Before Wizards. I think it's a really uh, it's a really effective second episode. It's a good deconstruction of Chosen One tropes. I like, you know, Luce's, you know, enthusiasm and, you know, her geeky side showing because she's super into all these tropes and stuff, and she gets really into, you know, the fucking Angstmore prince. And <laughs> I love the design of, of Adagast's, like, puppeteer demon form. And, you know and the you know background art of like the boiling aisles from this whole new perspective and the idea of you know if we all you know if we all woed around if we all waited around for a prophecy to make a special we we die waiting so you have to choose yourself right. and and you know it's a really good message there's a lot of really effective action sequence really funny comedy it's just a really good uh it's just a really great uh, second episode although i do wonder you know what are the actual wizards like in this universe? Because it's never explored uh, after this. <laughs> wizards are fake. Fuck wizards. Yeah. All my homies hate wizards. That's true. That's, you know, um, that's so the third it. episode is I Was a Teenage I was Abomination. I Was a Teenage Abomination. Which is a title that's either a reference to I Was a Teenage Anarchist or I Was a Teenage Zombie. Um, I thought it was, I was Steven... a Teenage Werewolf. Well, that is also another possible point of reference. Directed by Steven Sandoval with story by Charlie Fed- Feldman, Zach Marcus... Manuel Jesse, Nieto Jr., John Bailey Owen, Dana Terrace, and Rachel Vine, and a teleplay by John Bailey Owen and Dana Terrace. And the storyboard is by Imbal Breda, Bosuk Bo Kodum, Kobum, uh, Madeline Flores, Chris Pianca, and Steven Sandoval. And this aired January 24th, 2020, production code 103. And aired to 0.45 million viewers. Yes, so, yeah, so I Was a Teenage Abomination opens as Ida has taken Lucen King to pick apart the carcass of a trash slug, um, whose life is surprisingly poignant, because, like, it (laughs) gathers all this trash in its life and then dies, and then they sell the stuff that it ate. Um, Right. But Luce... And I I really uh, identify with Ida in this episode, considering she is a collector of trash. (laughs) Did you and ever I am also in your a collector life, of trash? Did you ever in your life think you'd see something as breathtaking as this? <laughs> and me with my laser disc collection. Exa- yeah, and and, and <laughs> loses me having the 
watch you. <laughs> and so Luce is dissatisfied with Ida's yeah, training. Yeah, because wants more traditional magic lessons. I want know, more. Because, you know, scrolls and potions and things like, you know, literally anything recognizably as magic. But Ida hates the idea of, you know, that because it's all magic school stuff. At which point Luce is like, wait, hold on. There's a magic school here. Like Hexide School of Magic yeah, and Demonics. Yeah, Hexide School of Magic and Demonics, which we are introduced to in a moment. Um, but And, you know, Luce walks off after, you know, being dejected from the rejection of Magic School, only to meet a student of said Magic School, Willow Park. She's a, Willow Park's got to be my favorite character. I really love Willow. I wish they gave her more screen time and that, se- and that most of season two didn't forget she existed. <laughs> I was surprised because, like, when I first started watching the show, I thought Luce and Willow were going to be a thing. Yeah, I think because Willoose, Willoose is you know it's it's definitely there. It's like there's a there's a fandom for it, and mm-hmm. like I can I can see why, but like especially as the show goes on, they definitely and you'll see this more in the second half. It definitely starts leaning more toward Luce and Amity. And right. Well, a young witch. She's a young witch who is picked on, uh, trying to like she's trying to do magic and failing. Yeah, because basically, and she's picked on by the top student Amity Blight. It's got to be my favorite character Am- in the whole Amity, show. So, yeah. So I actually do really like Amity. Yeah, because even though she is kind of a bitch at this point. Because the, in the thing show. is, so it's it's very odd to because Amity she has grown into one of my favorite characters, and I love her growth and character development. And it's weird going back to her first appearance where she is just such a bitch like she's like, a mean oh, girl oh willow you're so you you're so unnoticeable i almost rolled into you like god you're an <laughs> asshole <laughs> like yeah and she's and so like she picks on her for being terrible at like, creating abominations yeah which is like an illusion spell where you basically create like basically a, like it's a tar like man. it's a goo golem effectively uh what what is that dc got dc villain that's made out of goo clayface thinking of clayface clay clay they're, they're all clayface they're all clayfaces exactly right. Um, and then Luz sees all this happening, and she's like, hmm, maybe I should stand oh, up this for this some, Willow person. This is some witch so she pretends to be Willow's abomination so that she can get a passing grade. She can get a passing grade. I, we should also yes. point out that the thing is that Willow excels in plant magic because we see right. her able to grow all these vines and stuff, but she struggles with abominations, even though her parents put her in the abomination track at school because apparently there's better opportunities on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually... Um, all right. They meet. They meet Gus also. Yeah, they meet a yeah. human obsessed student. They and meet the president of the Human Appreciation Society. They, yeah. So basically, so Gus Luce, has to be one of my favorite characters. Yeah, I also love Gus. Um. Yeah. So yeah, Luce agrees to pose as well as Abomination to get uh to help Willow get a good grade because you know she's chunks of stuff and she talks weird. Um, yes. I also like so. Uh, during this, we're also cut between Ida and King because. King is like, you know, lose apprentice, gain garbage eggs. And they have a bet going on that if <laughs> King can teach a trash slug to be your loyal soldier, then uh, then King gets to teach loose. But if Ida loses, then she has to sleep. Then she has to wear a shame hat and sleep in a shack. <laughs> and, and she makes a, a bet and the bet uh, ends up with, uh, you know, him putting his paw print on the thing. And then he's like, all right. And apparently he has lost and humiliated himself in every single bet they've made previously. Yeah, it, and they've done it a lot. Yes. And we'll we'll get back to that in a moment. But back to our loose story where they arrive at Hexide School of Magic and Demonics. Best magic school, don't at me. Um, Hogwarts. Okay, no. Absolute, Hogwarts. Absolutely not. All right, I need to rant about how terrible Hogwarts is for a second. Hogwarts 
is a terrible, because first of all, the design of Hogwarts has clearly prioritized uh, novelty over convenience because the stairs are constantly moving around and shifting to different places. How is Anyways, I like how the know? bell screams in this episode. <laughs> yes, I do the like how the school bell screams. I do like how the school bell screams. Um, and the thing about Hexide is that they seem to have an actual curriculum that makes sense and it's about teaching the students something instead of constantly getting them killed so yeah anyways Hexide is a way King, better uh... magic school anyway so then they meet gus who is the president yes. of the human appreciation society and a human the has and, and he's like where are your gills <laughs> yeah well there's an ongoing joke with gus that's very funny throughout the entire show is that he just has these bizarre preconceptions about what humans do yeah that are occasionally sort of right but oftentimes Did you know that entirely you, wrong did you know that humans nail barbed wire to their kids teeth but it's why true. <laughs> it's true they do <laughs> it's restoring uh, treats <laughs> exactly and um then uh king's student a slug named prince jr attacks the pair and grows really really large and yeah. is adorable by the way after uh, uh king actually and... has a good point about positive reinforcement <laughs> yes and attacks the pair, forcing King to rely on Ida once again. And they they get a giant thing assault, and and they and then he feels bad for a second. He's like, oh, baby I don't boy. You. And then uh, he almost gets killed. I have no son. I have no son. That's a great scene. I I love King. King gets all the best lines. King King's got to be my favorite character. King is very. Anyways, cool Amity, my other favorite character, realizes Luz yeah, is an abomination. Yeah, because 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 they go to the abomination class after the abomination professor is a jerk and uh, that's also one of my favorite characters and they and they actually impress the class with luce's abomination uh abominationness and how willow yes. is her abomination splendid Ooh. wordplay um <laughs> and then willow becomes the top student at which point amity is like okay what the fuck is going on here like <laughs> i saw you this is not like i've got my eyes on you that badge is mine <laughs> So yeah, Amity realizes that Luce isn't an abomination and calls upon Principal Bump, who is a pretty great character. Uh, not one of my favorites, though. To yeah. examine her through dissection, and then they take out the knife, and it's like, if they open up a human, that's a bad thing, yeah, right? Yeah, you can't just cut up on a human, can you? Nope. <laughs> I, also like, I also like when Ida is trying to find Luce. Cause it's like, where, where has she been? And she's like, the only thing that way is the, oh, no. No, no, no. And she looks in on the school. It's like, no! Blind obedience. No. <laughs> Pointless busy work. No. Why? School. <laughs> so Gus creates a diversion and a chase ensues with Willow showing her skill at plant magic, which is like magic for people that like plants. And Willow is exonerated as Bump puts her in the plant courses. Uh, and now, however, Gus informs Luce that she is now banned she from been, school for pretending to be for, an abomination. She has been ba a ban that will not hold for that much longer. Yeah, although Ida is actually proud of her because it's like, oh, mm -hmm. baby's first wanted poster. Oh. Yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, then Gus and Willow offer to teach Luce what they learn, but Luce happily accepts and Ida as her teacher instead. Because, you know, Luce loves Ida, and Ida is like, all right, I guess I could teach this kid what I know, kind of. Also, I might have a strange curse that happens sometimes, but we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about it. <laughs> and yeah, that's the episode, I Was a Teenage Abomination. I think it's a great episode. I love the introductions to some of our favorite characters, like Willow and Gus. 
and Principal Bump <laughs> and Amity and the and the Abomination Teacher, all wonderful characters. Um, and yeah, I would definitely rate this uh, ten out of ten. Five bags of popcorn. I really love this episode, uh, Chris. What do you think of the episode? Yeah, I also love I was a teenage abomination. I think it's a great episode. I love the introduction of Hexide School and as well as the you know these great characters of Willow, Gus, and Amity, um, and also Principal Bump. He's pretty cool too. Um, and um, oh, I'm, hold on, I think I think you're underrating Principal Bump here. Principal Bump. That I mean, you haven't gotten to some of his, his better stuff. Principal yet. Bump. Principal Bump. Yeah, um, and. I also I, I enjoy the the little side plot of Eden King. Um, yes, with the with, with the, the adorable with the big, snail monster. with the big trash slug. I yes. enjoy the lesson that of you know, Luce ultimately choosing Ida for her teacher, and I also <laughs> there's I also really love this is one joke we didn't get to. I love the when the, when the principal walks, it's like abomination lie. Uh, viral fame is a worthy pursuit. Your cat would never eat you if it got the chance. Chemtrails are real. <laughs> I love that. And also, the other thing, where Amity starts shaking loose because it's like, I know you're in there. You can't hide from me. What are you? Who are you? I want answers. And I'm like, well, Amity, that's your future girlfriend. But, you know, we'll get to that. Spoilers, Chris. Episodes. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. I'm, so, I'm sorry. So yeah, the episode is great. Yeah, I love this episode. I think it is a great episode, and I would also agree. Now we're going on to episode uh, four, five, The five, Intruder. Five, six back to popcorn. The Intruder. Uh, so this episode, which uh, so is directed by Stu Livingston, written by Manuel Jesse Nieto Jr. Uh, and Dana Terrace and Rachel Vine, and storyboarded by Charlie Bryant and Kat Harmon Mitchell and Stu Livingston, premiering January 31st, 2020, uh, production code 104, premiering to 0.51 million viewers. Yeah. So, yeah, so King tries to teach Luz about yeah, so demons, episode... but Luz doesn't give a shit. Yeah, so this episode <laughs> opens with uh, with King giving Luz a lesson in demonology, although I like how it opens where Luz is doing like a mock nature doctor, it's like, here we have the most fearsome creature in the world, the king of demons, facing his natural enemy, the ducky sock. And then he tears the ducky sock. Where are you now, ducky sock? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and there's a boiling rainstorm that rolls in. Yeah. And I like some of the other uh, weather events. Like there's pain bows. Yeah, shale hail. Shale uh, hail. Shale hail, pain oh. bows, which is like a regular rainbow, but looking at it turns you inside out. <laughs> <laughs> and loose yeah. hides in her hoodie. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and Ida, basically, Luz takes the opportunity to make Ida teach her some magic because they're stuck inside. Now, Ida teaches Luz how to create light, yeah. which causes her to pass out. Because basically, uh, basically what happens is that, so after they go into the, they go inside from the boiling rainstorm and Lucid King formed the Boo Boo Buddy Club. Um, yes. And she, she convinces Ida to teach her a spell by... Uh, by offering her a, a sparkly pen for her nest. It's like, I respect your cunning, but I also hate you for it. And <laughs> she shows, and she teaches her about the source events. Like, you know, humans think magic comes from thin air, but that's stupid. Kid, where do you think magic comes from? Uh, from the heart? Actually, yes. you're right. 
Yay! It comes from a bile sack attached to a witch's heart. Oh, gross. Can I keep that? <laughs> no. And, and she realizes she doesn't have a bile sack. And apparently Ida never considered this when, yes. <laughs> when, when taking on Luz as her apprentice. But she's like, you know, I, you know, I know witches did magic differently in the past, but I don't know how. Basically, yeah, Luce is super tired, and then what happens is that uh, Luce then goes to King and is like, hey, I want to learn yeah, some cause, magic. Because after, you know, Luce like, hey, like, can you do the circle thing one more time so I, I can record it? And it's like, one more spell won't kill you, and then she gets knocked knocked out. Looks like one more spell killed Ida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and then King is like, hey, you know, there's a special elixir, this yeah. special, like, I see, drink I've that seen, she likes to drink yeah, that makes I've her seen, uh, yeah, really happy, and uh, maybe that's the source that of the her, magic. That gives her energy, so I feel like that might be the source of the magic. I also like before... Because it was established previously that there used to be a way to do magic before, uh, but they don't remember. Yeah, they don't remember. I also like... One of one of the other demons is is Smoochie Pie, the sweetie baby. Um, he's a lot more threatening than his name implies. <laughs> well, let's not forget about Snaggleback. The Snaggleback, the most powerful demon, who apparently right. feasts on uh, t on boiling taurus. <laughs> yes. Uh, before she drinks it, uh, drinks the special elixir, a monster breaks into the yeah. house, which King is convinced is the Snaggleback. Yeah. However, he meets the real Snaggleback, which is incredibly just this, disappointing. It was just this weird little turtle thing. Um, right. And it turns out like, to be a pink monkey wearing a shell, wearing a and turtle is then shell, eaten by the monster. And they're like, "Well, wait. If you're here, then who? Then what broke into the house? Oh no, a twist!" And the creature chases. If that was you at the door, then who was flickering <laughs> the, the lights? lights? No, no Sparatu. Nah, so Lucy King discovered that the elixir was to prevent a curse from taking hold of Ida, because it who turns is the out real that monster. giant creature is Ida, as she is turned into an owl beast. Um, and she's, uh... The owls are not what they seem. Yeah. Who is apparently sensitive Which is, that, that's light. a Twin Peaks reference. Yeah. So, and because, <laughs> so they, so they figure out that Owl Beast Ida is sensitive to light. So King suggests, you know, Luce, use your, 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 your human wonder rectangle. Um, but, you know, her camera's busted, so they can't do that. Well, it's, but, and yes. then brings up the light spell, but because Luce still can't draw circles in the air, you know, she, but they watch the video again, and it turns out there's actually a pattern in the spell circle. And by drawing out that pattern, Luce can produce magic through these paper glyphs. And it's like, and I've tried it on a piece of paper, and it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, sadly. What I want to, I want to know the real magic is how Luce manages to draw a perfect circle every time. A perfect circle. <laughs> Show your process. <laughs> That's the real question. And well, she obviously uh, apparently learned it from the circles best. also SpongeBob. Yeah. Uh, also, well, the glyph circles also work the have the same sort of size to power ratio that uh, traditional spell circles do. Like the bigger you draw the glyph, the more powerful it is, just like the spell circles. So they use a giant light glyph to be able to return Ida to her normal form. Um, and she sees that Luz is doing magic and is proud of her, and it's like, oh, that's that's nice. Yeah, and, and Luz, uh, you know, she creates the light and uses it to stun Ida, and, and Ida reveals that she was cursed. She was when cursed she was at a younger. young age, and she manages it with the elixir because her curse is a metaphor for living with chronic slash. And that's why illness. she's called the Owl Lady. And that's why she's called the Owl Lady. I think this and is Ida a. Ida has a brief nightmare of a shadowy figure who cursed her, but wakes up before she can find out who it is. Plot. Plot. That'll be important yes. later. I also like yes. when, when, cause Hootie's been on like on the floor. Uh, Hootie's Ho been like knocked out this whole time. 
and uh, they race is like, "Hello, is anyone there? Hoot! I'm on the floor. It's cold." That voice, that horrific voice, and it's like, <laughs> "You and Hootie have the same voice actor." <laughs> I have a question. All right, what's your question? If owls are used as the top of staves, then how is the what is the owl in the owl house? Well, no, because the well technically, well. Albert is not like a real owl. He's like a he's a palisman, as we find out. Oh. We find out later. Right, um, we'll get to that we'll later. We'll get to that later. Um, but then what is Hootie? Hootie is he's a house demon. He's an enigma. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um so then we go on to episode five. Oh convention. wait, well, didn't we want to talk about our overall thoughts on the episode? Oh yeah, the intruder is a great episode. It introduces a lot of cool backstory for Ida and all the other characters. Um, I really enjoy the growing relationship between um, the friendship between Luce and Kane because the whole time uh, she's like, yo, if you help me do magic, I'll learn all about your demons, you know? Yeah. And I also love the one joke that's in here when um, he's like, yeah, the Snagglebacks the most fierce demon in the world. And then he's like, ah, I might have to yeah, edit Yeah, I'm going to have part. to edit that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's a great episode. It's uh, really good, and I think it's very funny and very interesting. Chris, what did you think of the intruder? Yeah, I love the intruder. I think it's uh, really works as kind of a bottle episode because it's all just in uh, the owl house itself. Um, I think the introduction to the curse and Ida's owl beast form is is really effective. I also really like the you know the use of metaphor in that, especially as the series goes on. You know, it's a very strong metaphor for, you know, living with uh, mental slash chronic illness. Um, and I think it works uh, very well. Um, I also like the bond between Luce and King. You know, they have a really wholesome friendship. Um, I also, I really like the line towards the beginning where King's like, you know, our only weaknesses are purified water and passive aggressive comments sometimes. Oh, you guys are sensitive. Even <laughs> demons have inner demons. <laughs> <laughs> that that is one of my favorite lines. Oh yeah, I love that line. I and to mention that. It's a you know, it's a really great message. We get to see Luce learn her first spell. You know, I love the idea of glyph magic. I think it's really cool. Um, and yeah, I think this is a really effective episode. There's some important plot, and it's got a really, uh, really great story. Yeah. Yeah. And on to episode five, Covention. Covention. Which is directed yeah. by Aminder Dhaliwal and Stu Livingston, with story by Charlie Feldman, Zach Marcus, Manuel Hesse Nieto Jr., John Bailey Owen, Dana Terrace, and Rachel Vine, and a tele teleplay by Charlie Feldman, Dana Terrace, and Rachel Vine. Mm. Uh, the storyboard was done by Bosuk Bob Coburn, Amindal Dawali, or Dhaliwal. Dal I'm sorry, I. I, I apologize to anyone listening. <laughs> Amelia Lorenz and Kelsey Norton, and it premiered February 7th, 2020. Uh, production code 105 to 0.51 million viewers. Yeah, so this episode opens with uh, uh, Luce reading Good Witches Aura to King, which Ida hates because, you know, it's flowerly language. It's an insult to witches and drives away all our serious customers. But there are no customers. No one is coming to the stand today. Because everyone is apparently at the annual convention, which is like a job fair for witches, you know, because everyone, because yes. it's where all the covens try to go and, you know, recruit new witches to them. But Ida hates the concept of covens. and Because the covens basically uh, restrict what types of magic you can yeah. use and forces you down a strict path. 
yes. of professional magic. Yeah. Now, the annual conve- convention is held at Bonesboro, an event in which witchlings learn about the covens, uh, which they're like, mm, should I be in this one or that one? Kind of like Sorting Hat a little bit. Um, and I mean, Lucid, there's a there's a more explicit Sorting Hat reference in the second half, but we'll talk about that next time. Well, Luce and Ida um, come across the Emperor's Coven, the most highly ranked coven, and I'd like to point out there's an Emperor? Yes, there is an Emperor. Yes. Okay. Um, and the Emperor <laughs> that comes... is the one that uh, that Ida's sister works for. Yeah, so, ba- yeah. Cause... This sounds like plot-important information. Yes. Yes, it is. So the most high-ranked coven is the Emperor's coven. Yeah, so basically... And they learned that its leader is none other than Ida's sister, Lilith. Yeah, because basically, so what happens... is, of course, a reference to the Judaic myth, <laughs> <laughs> yes. the first lover of the first man. Yeah. Adam. So anyways... As I was saying, um, anyways, so, like, they go to the convention after Ida is blackmailed by King reading Morizora. Um, stop it, stop it, I will literally do anything to stop this. Um, and they, and we see that there are nine main covens, and then there is also the tenth emperor's coven, which is the most high-ranking one, and there are all these I just said that. (laughs) And, well, I said it better. (laughs) No, you didn't. And... But, the, and while Luce is kind of, you know, attracted to these because, you know, they provide this sense of belonging, which she obviously didn't really have at home, when you join a coven, all your other magic gets sealed away. So, like, we, wait, so like if you join the Illusionist coven, then you can only do illusion magic and not any other types of magic. And that is actually why Ida is the most powerful witch on the Boiling Isles, because she, <laughs> she never... <laughs> oh, sorry. Why is Ida the most powerful witch on the Burning Isles? Because since she never joined a coven, she can do every kind of magic. Of course, that's also what makes her the most wanted criminal, because legally speaking, refusing to join a coven is a big no-no. Um, but, yeah. Um, you know what else is legal is marijuana. <laughs> so, anyways, we are introduced to the Emperor's Coven and its leader, Lilith. Um, oh, I love Lilith. She's got to be one of my favorite Ida's, characters, honestly. Yeah, Ida's sister. Um, Lilith is really interesting because she's kind of like if Ida like was a lawful neutral instead of a chaotic neutral or chaotic good. Yeah. Uh, and then Luce runs into Amity, and Amity in this uh, blames her for getting in trouble at school, which you know fair. Amity has and a Luce grunt- challenges her to a witch's duel, and then they have a special magic handshake, and she doesn't realize that this is actually important. And it's kind of interesting that Luce would accept a challenge to a witch's duel when she only knows how to make a light Because basically, because basically, what because because what happens is that Amity is like, oh, you know, you can't be here. This uh, this convention is for for witches only, and then only, and then she squishes King's cupcake, and because King this whole time is just getting offerings. I.e. Right, con right. swag. And he's collecting all the offerings, and he thinks that it makes it more powerful. Like, they're like tribute. And cupcakes in my tummy tum. Make a king say yummy yum. Uh, but then, but then, Amity squishes the cupcake. It's like, and Luce's like, okay, why are you doing this? Why are you being so mean? It's like, because you and your pet are giving witches in training a bad name. Hey, he's a very good boy and the king of demons. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, it's one thing to say I can't be a witch. It's another to bully my friends. So just like the good witches Aura said before facing down a rival Hecate at the fog of immediate regrets. <laughs> I love that name. Name. I challenge you to a witch's duel. And what I what I find interesting yeah. about this moment is that we find out a couple episodes from now that Amity is also an Azora fan. So I, I have to yes. wonder, did she pick up on that reference? And was there Probably. a moment in her head where she was like, oh, 
wait, did she just reference Azora? I've never met another well, of course, Azora fan her, before. Amity's just... whole thing is that she is, um, you know when you're gay <laughs> <laughs> and you don't really know it yet <laughs> and you kind of don't want to admit it to yourself? That's Amity. I mean, yes. It's, it's a bit more complicated than that, but... That's my take on Amity right now. That's definitely it's it's a it's a little more complicated, but essentially, yeah, that's well. She that's doesn't know so, how to feel about that's this kind person. of part of it, but also and and then she's like, oh, I must, I must, it must be because this person annoys me. Yeah, you it's know? it's also, I mean, it's not quite the same thing canonically because, uh, by the yeah. words of Dana Terrace herself, homophobia and transphobia do not exist in the Boiling Isles. Okay, well that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. But so, also, I mean, I feel like in a sense, she, Amity is a, is a character that's trying to. It's not necessarily her being, as a person. Yeah, it's definitely you know? her because we find out um, late. So in, I feel like part of it is kind of true to that. Yeah, because we find in a metaphorical sense, at least, because we find out, yes. and you know, she is canonically a lesbian, but like that, right. she's not like her being closeted doesn't entirely, literally play into the narrative because like, she's because again she wouldn't have a reason to be closeted i'm not saying she is literally exist. closeted i'm just saying yeah i'm saying reminds me yeah, of yeah. closeted that's people. what i and that's what i was trying to get at i'm, right. I'm yeah <laughs> and if amity and, wins this magic duel, yeah because basically stop studying magic forever because of a terrible it. bet to make because uh, she is just trying, like the bet that uh that king made in the last episode yeah because she's taken a well in two episodes ago but yes two episodes um, right She's, uh, yeah, because she's actually accidentally made an everlasting oath to stop training if she loses the duel. Which like, is that's... much worse than having to live in the shack. For that's a while. that's probably fine. No, it isn't. Um, <laughs> and then Ida reunites with Lilith. It's like you know, I just had to see the leader of the Emperor's Coven in action. Uh, you know, kids, Lilith was when we were kids. Lilith was so excited to see the Emperor's Coven. She peed a little. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, um, whenever the Emperor gets. Uh, a new emperor's coven you could say the emperor's got a new groove hey kill me someone make uh, <laughs> someone make that someone do that edit someone put someone put em emperor someone put the emperor's face on uh on Cusco. um yeah yeah but so anyways, he just sets magic traps to help lose yeah, and cheats she in the magic because basically we see that uh Ida and Lilith make their own bet because Lilith wants to see how good of a teacher Ida actually is because it turns out Amity is also Lilith's protege. And right. And she's like, I have a, I have a student that's going to beat up your student. Health. And then she's like, oh, it's a human? Amity, I, accidentally, I accidentally challenged Amity to a witch's duel and I think she's going to kill me all the way dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, then what happens is King accidentally falls into the arena. And I love the part where they're like, all the fans are cheering, and then the one person's just like, "I know Amity." She's that, she's that not, guy's great. She's not Amity, and I'm like, certain fans. She's not Amity. <laughs> certain fans' reaction when literally any other character gets screen time. Look, I love Amity, I do, but some of y'all need to chill, and some of y'all need to remember that there are other people in this show. Honestly, that I don't really time. get the 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 super hype fandom for Amity yet. Yeah, because you haven't got you have, yeah you haven't gotten to the second half. Yeah. yeah, and when King falls into the arena, he actually sets off one of the traps, yeah. revealing Ida's cheated. But then Ida discovers a power glyph hidden on Amity's neck. She's been juicing. That, 
placed there by Lilith. And then she's like, oh my god, I didn't know I was cheating. And she gets very sad. I also love that she is also cheated. I also love Ida's victory dance. It's like, ah, you cheated. Perfect prissy Lilith cheated. Hot dang, I love Kovic. <laughs> yeah, and while the sisters, they start to duel, Amity runs off embarrassed and Luce follows her to apologize. And the two reach a state yeah. of understanding. And Amity reverses the everlasting Yeah, because I, I want to I talk about the scene more in detail. Because it's especially yes. reflective given Amity's character development. Because we find out, and it's it's somewhat implied already, but, like, we find out explicitly later on that Amity's home life is, shall we say, not good. It's, it's... Her, her two siblings are sociopaths. Well, they're... And the worst people in the world. Well, it's, it's not just her two... We find out later, her parents are also terrible. <laughs> well, I haven't gotten there yet, so... Yeah, you haven't gotten there yet, but, like, her parents are also terrible, and at this point in time, her siblings are... are are sociopaths um right they get better but um and do they you haven't do they though you haven't seen those episodes yet you'll you'll see you'll, you'll stop see. spoiling things i won't i'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry I'm so sorry. you really like this part for the for the story arc and yeah, how it uh, basically impacts amity's character yeah because basically because amity explains that you know she's been working her entire life to be the best and she's had all this pressure put on her by school and her family and she sees Luce, um, uh, you know, incorrectly but understandably as kind of this insult to her entire life because she just walks in as a human thinking she can be a witch. Like, no, that's not how it works. You can't do that. And then, but through seeing... Is she really gatekeeping being a witch right now? A little bit. But, you know, she's, been, <laughs> she's, she's had this toxic mentality kind of drilled into her. You're and, not a real lawyer. And it's all, it's all she knows. And... <laughs> But eventually, she's able. But through Luce's University of Ida, Ida's Owl House, for Christ's sake! What a joke! I worked my ass off to get where I am. Exactly, but you're a human, and you think you're my peer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But obviously, a more wholesome ending than than that than Better Call Saul. But yes. basically, but Luce shows her because because she's been talking, you know, say it, say you're not a witch. You know, I'm not a witch. But I'm training hard to be one. And she shows Amity the light glyph. And this is where right. Amity is able to realize, oh, she does actually work hard to get where she is. You know, and also, there are, harder, she, she realizes that a, there's ways to do magic. Yeah, but in a different way. And, you know, that there yeah. are ways to do magic differently. And that's, you know, she's able to recognize that and realize, you know, okay, maybe we're not friends yet. Meanwhile, in the yet. ongoing plot, yes. Lilith gets a call from the Emperor's assistant, yeah, after Kikimura. Lilith, after Lilith and Ida have a ha, have their big duel, and they make and Ida makes the giant owl tube. <laughs> yes, and who reminds her to focus on capturing Ida as she promised to the Emperor. Yes, yes. So the convention is definitely one of my favorite episodes. You know, we get introduced to some great characters like Lilith, one of my faves um and obviously all this stuff with amity is fantastic and yeah the episode overall is just super solid and really great and i love uh king demon's part where he's just going around <laughs> collecting tributes from everyone yeah very great uh so very very great yeah so yeah i agree i also love convention i think it's a great episode i love all the four bags of popcorn with with amity and and loose and you know they're you know so, slowly coming to a semi-reconciliation um i i like 
Uh, I really enjoy Lilith. I enjoy Ida versus Lilith and the whole witches duel. I think that's a lot of fun. I enjoy King's subplot of him getting all the offerings and the cupcakes yes. and eventually the the tote bags. Um, <laughs> and, and I and I love the uh, the message at the end where it's like you know because Lou Sassida you know do you think I'll ever be a true witch and she's like well what's a true witch you know who decides what's a true witch you know because to these people that means being in a coven but you know I never joined one and I'm more powerful than them so it's like you got to be your own witch and it's like oh that's really nice yeah and I also we didn't point this out because she's like you know oh well wait till you hear about my parents we meet <laughs> we there's stuff about her parents in season two. Oh boy! Oh uh, boy! I won't get much, into it. How much weed do you think Ida smokes on a daily basis? Hmm. I think it's a lot. Like at least a gray. I mean, I feel like she mostly gets her kick from apple blood, but like, mm, I feel like I mean she is a bit of a wine mom, but I feel like also she's definitely she's definitely she's definitely at least tried it like yes she definitely no no she 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 doesn't just try to she's this is like part of her daily routine i i feel like i feel like what 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 probably happened was that she she this is why we'll never get a disney channel interview because <laughs> that she went on a she so went we, on a bender talk about the, shit like this. she went on a bender in the human realm and just smoked like 40 pounds of weed and <laughs> she had like the high of her life but afterwards was like never again and that's why she just mm. gets her fix from apple blood now i feel like she has some I feel like maybe she has some. Yeah, she has some in the back, just in case. Magic weed. Magic weed. <laughs> yes. So yeah, this is a we're our halfway point. Hello, everyone. Yes. We're back, and we're gonna be recording more Owl House. It's been yes. a day, and uh, I took a nap. What are you talking so about? This good. is totally happening in the same session. Episode that's... six is Hootie's Moving Castle. Hootie's Moving Castle. <laughs> directed by Steven Sandoval, written by Charlie Feldman, John Bailey Owen, Dana Terrace, Jeff Trammell, and Rachel Vine. Storyboarded by Busuk Bo Coburn, Madeline Flores, Naomi Hicks, Ben Holm, Amelia Lorenz, Chris Pianca, and Steven Sandoval. It premiered February 21st, 2020 to 0.39 view- million viewers. And its production code is 106. <laughs> Anyways, um, and this episode opens with Ida playing a game of Hexus Hold'em, which is a top-tier pun yes. right there, mm-hmm. um, with, with, uh, with Albert and his little poker visor, and I love it so much. I want a plushie of that. Yes. And I also love Lucy's line of the, Oh, boy, cards! The paper rectangles that old people think are fun! <laughs> Yeah, and Ida tries to restock on her elixir, which keeps her from j- turning into a giant monster, but her supplies run out. Yes. So she is told that another supplier, Tibble's Grimhammer, might carry some. And I love the the potion guy, because he's like, hey, More. you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I wasn't feeling I, I, very I, I, well. Yeah, I, I went to a poison tasting last night, and for some reason I'm not feeling too good now. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Tribble, Tibble's Grimhammer, not Tribbles, that's a different show, that's might carry thing. some and goes with King to get more. And meanwhile, Luce discovers that Willow and Gus weren't invited to a moonlight conjuring by Amity and her friends because they're mean girls. Yes. Here's the mean girls clip. <laughs> and she agrees to bring them to the owl house. Hoot yeah. hoot for their own, despite Ida forbidding it. Yes. And they get into wacky hijinks. Yes. Yeah, so Luce, and... dis- Luce is able to hold the moonlight, moonlight conjuring in secret, uh, the secret, as Ida and King leave for the market. And... Ida leaves Luce responsible for the house, even though Hootie insists that I don't need a babysitter. I'm 
Oh, big boy house. <laughs> just such exactly, a good line. Yeah, and the three inadvertently, oh. they inadvertently make the house grow legs. Yeah, so. Yeah, so. And, and Chris, are there Bruce any good Willow. Gus quotes in this episode? Uh, we've got a bucket. <laughs> yes, because he's a big fan of buckets. Yeah, because basically, it, like, doing a Moonlight Conjuring was on his bucket list after owning a real human bucket. And then they go to the, it's like, we've got snacks. We've got real music. Weird music. We've got a bucket. That's the spirit. <laughs> yes. And they make the house grow legs and it, they learn to control it while holding hands. And it starts moving about. We're controlling like a it moving castle. We're controlling like it Howl's the... moving castle. Howl's moving castle is an animated studio Ghibli film directed by Ayo Miyazaki. <laughs> Howl's Moving Castle is a beautiful movie about a magic twink that inspires the life of a lady. And even though he's really hot, he ends up actually making her super fucking old. And honestly, Howl's Moving Castle is kind of mid. That's wrong, Chris. <laughs> I mean, it's good, but like... No, uh, no, 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 no. Like, is it... No, is no, it, no, 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 no. Like, it's not... Chris, it's you not, do not diss Howl. Look, I'm not... Howl is top tier you snack just, material. You just like Howl because he's a twink. Like that doesn't yes, make the movie and... in <laughs> Yes it does. Look, it's not look it's good, but it's no my neighbor Totoro. Look it's no spirited away. List of movies that are like... great and have twinks in them. <laughs> Star Wars. The oh. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Alright. Legolas is not the main character. Are you kidding? I'm talking about Frodo. Frodo's not a Yes he is. Yes, he is. Mm -hmm. Hmm. You see the way they look at each other. It's totally true. Also, <laughs> it's not, of course, forget about, obviously, you know, the, the ultimate movie twink, Voldemort. Obvious twink material. Well, yeah, but yeah, but getting back on track, no one needs to give money to Harry Potter anymore because the superior young adult witch franchise exists in the Owl House because they control yeah. the house with the power of friendship. And so Edith and King meet Tibbles. Who has their has the elixir? It is expensive, so Ida challenges to him to Hexus Hold'em. I also it. I also like this this the scene where they first meet him because first of all he's like you know please call me Dibbles ah he wants to be called that and then we have this scene where it's like all right I'll give you ten snails for it and, well actually I want a thousand snails what kind of game are you playing here capitalism <laughs> where everyone wins. Except you. That's a funny line. Because this, yeah. and here's the thing: the entire scenario is basically a commentary on how the U.S. healthcare system exploits the vulnerable through oh. prices on life-saving medication. Like Saw Six. It's well, I, I guess that I, 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 that's. Anyway, really Eda loses and Tibbles reveals his plans <laughs> to hand her over the to the Emperor's coven and keep King a seek as a servant. And, uh, and the kids head to Amity's house to show her up. Yeah. But a team of demon hunters captures the owl house. I also like when they when they when they uh, freak out Basha on their way to the walk. The the triclops girl is like, but don't you see? I have no beer house. <laughs> <laughs> I also like how we get a, a glimpse of what the the uh, the supposedly cool, uh, you know, moonlight whatever fuck it is, and they're like, it's completely fucking boring. They couldn't even. They couldn't even, they couldn't even animate the. The, the one doll but that comes at the end but yes yeah they are uh eventually captured by demon hunters who we saw earlier in the episode uh who who want to sell hootie as exotic meat uh, i'm an Tasty. acquired taste hoot hoot and, and then willow uh apologizes to loose yeah admitting she used to be friends with the anime which is 
Big Backstory, twist. continuity, Whoa. Amity and Willow were actually friends when they were little, but they stopped hanging out after Amity got her powers and Willow didn't. This actually comes back into play later. I also right. like, I also really like the scene before this. It's one of my favorite jokes in the whole show. It's like, is this really what you want to be doing with your life? Tossing kids from cliffs? Well, actually, yes. It's been <laughs> my dream since I was a boy. Yeah, that's I was a again. strange child. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, she admits that she used to be friends with the enemy and wanted to prove her worth to her. Now the kids defeat the hunters uh, by in while inadvertently destroying Tibble's stand. Yes. And they... uh, Ida and King escape with the elixir while Tibble swears Wait, revenge. Is that my house? <laughs> yes. And then Ida reprimands Luz for her actions and has her and her friends clean the house. And that's the end of the episode. It, 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 it has her and her friends clean the house, but also admits that the conjuring was actually really impressive and she even wants to join them next year. Meanwhile, I am also a fan of the film The Conjuring. Meanwhile, we cut back to the to the to Basha and Amity, and they couldn't even amidate the doll. And then they check Pentagram, the Alha, the in-universe equivalent of Instagram, to see that see that Loose Willow and Gus's Conjuring blew up the the social medias, and they're like, "What?" And that's the end <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> Yeah, and this episode's really good. I enjoy uh, the moving castle bits. I like uh, how it really like uh, builds on the friendship between Gus, Willow, and Luce. And I think it has an interesting revelation about, you know, Willow and Amity. And I find uh, Amity to be a little more interesting. Although, of course, this isn't when she gets super interesting. That comes a little bit later. But yeah, this episode's just fantastic. And Chris, what do you think of this episode? Uh, yeah, I also really love Hootie's moving hassle. I think it's a, it's a really fun exploration of, you know, the moving house concept. We get a, get a little more of Hootie screen time, get some really good bonding between Luce, Willow, and Gus, some interesting plot revelations with Willow's backstory and her prior relationship with Amity. I also really like the Eden King subplot and even the healthcare commentary and the... Uh, some some and there's some top tier puns throughout the episode. You know, Hexes Hold'em, Pentagram, some real top tier, top tier pun work in this episode. Yes. And I I very much enjoy it and just like and I enjoy the whole episode of Hootie's Moving Hassle. All right, and the next episode is why Amity's sister, uh, sister and brother are total psychopaths. <laughs> For now, Otherwise they get better. Known as Lost in Language, <laughs> Lost directed in... by Aminder Dalawal. Uh, written by Zach Marcus, Dana Terrace, and Rachel Vine, and storyboarded by Bosuk Bo Coburn, Aminder Dalawal, and Ben Holm, and Amelia Lorenz, and Kelsey Norden. And it premiered February 28th, 2020, production code 107 to 0 0.46 million viewers. All right. Yes. So Lost in Language uh, opens with Luce reading uh, an Azura book to King about how Azura is befriending her rival Hecate for Shadow. Yes. And, we, and King has been apparently sucked into her awful fandom. Then meanwhile... Which is what you've done to me with this show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. And then, yes. then Ida receives a package from, from, a, from the Bat Queen, the Bat Queen, who will pay big money for Ida to babysit her kid, this little bat baby thing. <laughs> yes. And I love the bat babies because they're very cute and they're very friendly and it's enjoyable to see uh, Ida pretending to be a mother and then actually starting to enjoy it. It's very fun. Yeah, but yeah. the the real meat of the story happens in the library. Yes, when meanwhile, goes to the library Luce has to, return to go Ida's overdue books. Return Ida's overdue books because apparently, 
And I, 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 I just want to know because there were there were apparently coffee, grass, and blood stains on on one of her books. And Lucy's like, yeah, that was a crazy night. Um, uh, elaborate, please. <laughs> um, what? Yeah, and there she sees. Oh my God, Amity's reading to kids. And yeah, she's like, ah, I, I, I love, will now befriend yeah. my rival just like Azora just in like the a, novel I read. Just like Azora did. So I really love uh, the scene of Amity reading to the kids. Because first yes. of all, it's it shows another side of Amity. It shows her softer side, and it also leads into one of my favorite jokes, where when the kids leave, and then the last kid to leave is this little kid with like a langolier for a face, and this like horrifying Cthulhu-esque deep voice that's just like, "Bye, Miss Amity. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Braxis. See you next Braxis. time. Yay!" <laughs> And there she uh, she runs into Amity's older siblings, Amir and Edric, who are the worst people Emra, in the fucking world. Emra and Edric, uh, who are sociopaths, but they get better. And they take a liking to her because they realize, hey, you you keep embarrassing Amity. Like we hey, should humiliate her act- more. You're actually pretty cool. Cool. We want to hang out with you though. And Luce is like, oh, oh, you you guys like me? Oh, and 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 blushes. then there's the one there's the one scene where I think it's a mirror, or yeah. is it Edric? I forget. Who Emra. calls Luce a cutie, and then she blushes because yeah, gay. Emra. This is the first indication well, of gay. Here's the thing: because she blushes for both Edric and Emra because gay. it ain't no lie. Luce's bye 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 bye. Yes. <laughs> and of course, we're talking about bilingual. Well, she is bilingual. But she's also bisexual, because she because yes. she speaks Spanish and English. But she's 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 bisexual. She's bi bi bi. Um, and it's, I just love how uh, th- th- this whole episode is a demonstration of Luce's sunshininess, because she's like you know when she when she runs into Amity, she's like oh reading to kids, huh? Looks like this sour lemon drop has a hidden sweet center. And then she's talking to Edric and Emma, and it's like, but I didn't mean any of it. I thought we were as cool as cucumbers, but we're as sour as pickles. Like, <laughs> I just, I love her so After, much. After uh, messing around in the yeah, library. Yeah, they, have a, they and... have a pranking montage. Yes. My, my favorite part of this is, is the first, is actually the first joke of it, where it's like, here we go towards our nonfiction section. Fiction? It's our world, but fiction? Nobody tell them. <laughs> Nobody but, uh, there, we also need to mention that the book that uh, Amity was reading to the kids is about this this little dwarf character that just wants friends, friends which ties Odebin. into the theme of the story you know the little needle man uh, I forget his name Odebin. Yeah, yeah Odeman and then Odebin. what happens after yeah. messing around in the library Amity tells them them and they are kicked out so Amir and Edric then invite Luz to break Emra. into the library with them during the Wailing Star yeah the Wailing Star uh, meteor shower Hour. Mean so. Me- meanwhile, cutting back to King King and Ida, Ida, and where we have one of my favorite scenes, where Ida is just like, "All right, you know, I didn't want to have to do this, but you leave me no choice." And then she takes the baby, and it's just like, "Rock, rock, motherly jester." <laughs> <laughs> yes, that scene is hilarious. And uh, they break into the the library, which magically brings the book's contents to life. And after some fun, the siblings break into Amity's secret room to look for her diary so they can post it at school as payback. And there's some interesting stuff in there. Like, she's like, hmm, what, what, what's Luce's deal? Is like, she a uh, nerd? Won't, like, a dork? Why won't, the, <laughs> why won't the human leave me alone? You know, I saw that, you know, I saw that human girl again. 
I may Gay. have overreacted. I don't want to come off as cruel. I just Gay. can't show weakness. Gay. Like, well, why? I wish I had somewhere to go. Why won't the human leave me alone? Called my teacher Bob again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Luce doesn't want to help. Help this them, you know, steal the, uh, that, that the diary. That, yeah, this is also where we discover... Uh, we mentioned this a bit earlier, but this is where we discover that Amity is also an Azura fan and even drew herself an Azura cosplay on the cover of her diary. Right. <laughs> and they, unintention they unintentionally find the diary and then they start looking through all the pages and that's where we get the montage scene of all the different, uh, you know, things she wrote in her diary. And Amity catches them in the act and calls Deuce a bully. She's like, you're not a nerd, you you're know, a I've bully. trying to figure out what your deal is. Are you a poser, nerd? I know. You're a bully. Because she doesn't know the context of what just happened. Yeah. And, and then Luce goes after Amity to, to apologize. Try, try but both, right. but, but then, both are forced to fight an altered version of the, of the monster. Captured by Odebin because we because yes. earlier in the episode, earlier in this scene, they they discovered that drawing in the books causes the characters to change. So now Odebin is super evil and aggressive and is trying to, to I kidnap just want them. a friend. Oh, and then he starts making Luce 2D. Yeah, because yeah. well, because first he captures Amity, and then Luz tries to rescue Amity by turning herself into Luzura, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and what, that doesn't really work out. Although for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason, the image of Luz in the Azura costume is the Disney Plus preview image for every episode. I I uh, don't. Know. I mean, I guess they wanted to be like, hey, witches. Yeah, but okay, but why wouldn't they just use like? Like stock are like stock pro witches, the Chris. Show, like witches. everyone else. Like if if you're not gonna do unique preview images for every episode, then why wouldn't you just do like promo art of the show? Why yeah. why, why yeah. this specific image? <laughs> well, then they get out a magic eraser and they're able to erase yeah. the mistake that they made. And then he's like, "Oh, I didn't mean to do that. I just wanted a friend." Oh, it's like, "Oh, that's okay." So then Luce lets okay. Amity borrow the fifth Azora book as a way to say sorry, and Amity's like, "You know." Maybe you know, I maybe was wrong about you. Maybe, maybe we'll have some sort of homoerotic uh, tension know, in the I future. I haven't exactly been the friendliest witch either. I should probably think about how I was being a terrible person. <laughs> I should probably think about my internalized homophobia. Yes. So then Luce returns to find Ida and King asleep as the Bat Queen comes in to pick up her kids. Yeah. She's like, ooh, I also I'm do the wanna, Bat Queen. I also Which do reminds me mention. a bit of uh, the grandma in Spirited Away, yeah, actually. kind of. You know, the old yeah, lady the, in Spirited Away, her yeah, giant head. Yeah. I also do want to talk a little bit because there, because there's some other, there were some other really funny bits in their subplot while the library stuff is going on. But my personal favorite is is King being like, "What silences children? What if we invented a TV network for ages <laughs> six to 11? That's insane." <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Lost in Language is probably my favorite episode of the first ten episodes we watched. It's an, a great episode. It really is thematically coherent um the side plot is really good and all of the stuff between Luce and amity are fantastic Ymira and edric are little shits and i hate them and i Emra. hope they die in a fire Emra. uh her name is Emra. <laughs> that's what i said no you keep saying Emira. Emira. that's what yeah no, no, Emira. I mean, it's not Emira. it's emora 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 emira emora Emero and Edric are little shits. I don't like them. Anyway, uh, so yeah, they are. I hear they get better in the future, but honestly, you know, everybody else is my favorite character in the show except for those two. They're my least favorite characters. 
Um, so yeah, this is a great episode. My favorite episode of the first 10. Chris, what do you think of Lost in Language? I think Lost in Language is also my favorite episode of the first 10. I think it's a great episode. I think it's got a really good balance between, you know, the Eden King fun uh, parental subplot and the main plot of Luce and Amity and Luce and, with Edric and Emra, who despite being in this first appearance, borderline sociopaths, I think are, you know, really compelling characters. And, you know, they do become less shit as, as time goes on. Um, oh, no. And, I, I'm skeptical. Well, you'll see. You'll see. Okay. Um, well, the next episode and, Well, is... hold on. I wasn't, I wasn't done. I wasn't done. And, you know, I think it, it's got some really interesting character work. I like seeing, you know... You know, I like how we see that Luce and Amity have more in common. I love all the library shenanigans and the books coming to life. And uh, that, that gag with the manga uh, word balloons is yes, fun. Yes, that is fun. I like and, that. Uh, and, you know, Luce and Amity teaming up for the first time. And how Am- Luce is actually able to make Amity laugh. The laugh that started it all. It begins yes. here, everybody. Wait, is there like a famous laugh? Well, yeah, yeah, when Luce is like, you know, like, you know, I don't know. I didn't even think that would work. And then Amity's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, it be- the romantic tension begins, I see. Oh, is, is, that, oh. is that a gay laugh? I mean, it's kind of. A laugh, if you will. Well, I mean, Amity is gay. Anyways, the next laugh. episode is Once Upon a Swap. Anyways, Slot. I think Lost in Language is a great episode. <laughs> Yeah. The director of this one is Amin Dardalewal. I'm sorry, I know I keep mispronouncing your name. I don't know how to pronounce it. Story by Charlie Feldman, Molly Ostertag, John Bailey, Owen, Dana Terrace, and Rachel Vine. With a teleplay by Charlie Feldman, Dana Terrace, and Rachel Vine. Storyboarded by Bosuk Bo Coburn, Amin Dardalewal, Haley Foster, Kat Harmon Mitchell, Ben Holm, and Amelia Lorenz. This was... Uh, aired march 6 2020 production code 115 which means it actually uh was a an episode that was made eight episodes after the previous episode interesting uh and premiered to 0.51 million viewers all right anyways so this episode opens with uh loose ida and king attempting to sell stuff at the market as they deal with their own personal struggles like king struggles with shortness and being uh underestimated for being cute Ida yes. not being able to sell things and Luce's struggles with teen drama and bullying. Which, by the oh. way, I like how I like how Edna, Ida, and King just don't give a shit about teen drama because that's just <laughs> how I am. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, teen drama. You have it so fucking hard. It's like, okay, yeah. Well, I mean, but they it, have uh, a point. In fairness, in fairness, though, like, you you remember being some of sometimes i think we need to remember that being a teenager is a really fucking hard thing <laughs> like, no I'd, I'd prefer to just forget when i was a teenager i mean yeah fairness um, but also we should have empathy for the people going through that now i feel no that, that we should not repeat the cycle of violence kill all teenagers no no <laughs> no we do not so, endorse this Anyways. King King thinks that Luz has it easy only dealing with teen trauma, and Edda, Ida, Ida thinks that King has it easy by being adorable. I, I somehow keep finding new ways to mispronounce Ida's name. Uh, they resolve to spend anyways, the day body swap. There's only one like thing to do. Like Freaky Fratterday. As as Ida as Ida points out, there's only one thing to do when friends can't see eye to eye: hug each other till we pass out, fight to the death. Nope. No. Body swap. <laughs> So yeah, it's this like is a body swap episode. With the ones you love. <laughs> yeah, 
and uh, they have to be proven wrong about the fact that they think that all the yeah. other guys' lives are easy, which is a you know pretty basic setup. It's a it's a and basic with... setup, but what I what I like about this compared to a lot of other body swap stories is that it's not like a freak accident or a punishment or like a curse or whatever. All three of them are like, okay, yeah, sure, let's do this, fine. Like it's it's yeah. like a willing swap. And I also, while personally in terms of body swap stories, in anim especially in animation, I tend to prefer when they have, like, the original actors' voices acting as the characters. Like, I, instead of just having whoever the person that they've swapped with's voice coming out of that character's body, mm -hmm. I do like uh, an element of this where everyone keeps their original eyes. So, like, Ida has Luce's eyes, King has Ida's eyes, and Luce has King's eyes. Which doesn't um, really make any sense. But, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a cartoon. It's a cartoon. Okay. <laughs> like... Well, anyway, um, Ida, as King, enjoys being given free things, but is captured by two elderly cat cafe owners who are very scary, Roselle and Dottie, some of my favorite characters in the whole show. <laughs> and King, as Luce, confronts Bosha and Basha. convinces her friends, <laughs> Basha, and Bosha, and convinces her friends to run amok all over town. Also, uh, basically, I'm, also their 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 hangout is called the Treasure Shack and seems, and is shaped kind of like the Mystery Shack. Is this a gravity? Is this an intentional Gravity Falls reference? Maybe, but I also <laughs> like um, the one guy in this teen group is just like completely. Uh, he he has no original thoughts of his own, Take and he this just goes. Society. <laughs> <laughs> he just goes along with what everybody else does, which is an accurate teenager. Um, so Bosha convinces her friends to run amok all over town yeah, and starts they, becoming the new leader of the teenagers. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, so they, they go on a cool kids pranking montage. Um, I personally, I'm a big fan of the Elf Rage sign. Yes. And also the scene where they prank call Hootie. It's like, <laughs> we could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and then, and then they, run, they run that into a speakerphone and annoy everyone in town. Yes, exactly. But yes. eventually Bosha is just like, look, I don't know, human. I don't know why they all forgot that you're a fucking loser, but I'm gonna make them remember by making you race around Dead Man's Curve on giant ratworms. Let's fucking go, bitch! The ratworms <laughs> are my favorite monster design so far. It's they are pretty. They are pretty damn. Good. They are adorable, and I want one, and I want a plushie of one. Make ratworm plushies, Disney. Yes. You cowards. <laughs> they chase K King into the cafe where he too is captured. Yeah. After and... after he falls off the track. Uh, during right. the race because uh, yes. this is how the cool kids ride super backwards on purpose <laughs> and and king also is being forced to wear a bumblebee outfit yeah Ida as king is in a bumblebee costume and this is yes. actually where she where she initially drew the line um but then but then she like was later captured after she saw all of the other animals had been like their brains turned to mush from being coddled so long like <laughs> i thought i would like being babied but I feel so small and helpless, like <laughs> some sort of baby. <laughs> you know, what's kind of weird about this episode is that the loose plot doesn't really show up until halfway into the episode. Well, no, because it's, it's kind of got... It, there's a similar... There's, a, there's an episode... Well, it's not a body swap episode. There's an episode in season two that kind of has a similar sort of three-tonged three uh, structure to its story where it starts with a king plot, then an Eda plot, and then... Well I, well, I guess, well, it's it's not exactly the same. The order is slightly different. But, like, okay. it's King and or Ida, then the other one, and then Luce. 
Like okay, yeah. but I'm just saying, as an episode, it felt a little weird. That was like, oh, okay, now yeah, now, now we're getting, we're getting the, main the main character. character where and Luz says Ida Luz is make, Ida's makes body. a profit selling human items, but she starts marketing herself too well and gets arrested because you know Ida is a wanted criminal. Ida's kind of on on the run. I also and, yeah, like how she and, has to use oven mitts to handle Ida's magic. <laughs> like, yes. And at the police station, Lilith tries to convince her to join the Emperor's Coven. And she's like, oh, is, yeah, you're Ida's sister, which Ida used to want to do. And she's like, oh, you oh, wanted to join the Coven? wanted to join the Emperor's Coven. Plot twist! <laughs> right. But she escapes and runs into Ida as king and king. Surrounded by all the people chasing them, Ida swaps their bodies back and then swaps all of their pursuers. And then uh, they which return also, home. Which raises some lesson. questions about, like, like, because they do the mass body swap. It's it's never been explained how everyone actually got back into their original bodies. Uh, magic. Raising, yeah. yeah, it's, it's the magic. They, yeah. They, 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 yeah, sure. And yeah, and, and they, they're like, well, I think I learned something today. I, I think we learned something. You know, you know, everything's a little. You know, things are really complicated. But you know, with you guys, it's a little less mixed up. Now, the thing is, we made this bet because we we were trying to figure out who to how who's gonna clean Hootie because it's getting dire. Not like, it. Today's my monthly cleaning, Hoot Hoot. I'm 20% mucus, but don't let that stop you. I have so many hard-to-reach spots that need swapping. Maybe if we all work together, we could... Not, not it. it. Oh, yeah, and then, and then Luz has to clean the mucus howl. And Luz ends up with cleaning duty much to her dismay and annoyance. Yeah, this episode's pretty good. It's not one of my favorites of the first time that we watched, but I think it's decent. You know, it's a pretty good episode. As far as body swap episodes, it's definitely more creative than some other ones. But yeah, it's just a general fun episode and yeah chris what did you yeah. you think of the episode I, I think this episode's really fun like it's not again it's not one of my favorites but i do enjoy it i think i enjoy how it you know uh the creative takes on certain body swap tropes i think the three-tongued uh story structure works i you know there's some fun antagonists you know it's it's an interesting exploration of the different struggles of our three main characters and you know yes. again again it's like it's not like one of the best ones but i think it's a fun time i don't get why some of the fandom really doesn't like this episode i'm like come on this is fun i mean it's kind this of the is... most disposable of all the episodes i i mean i guess but it also has you know that pretty big revelation of you know ida initially wanted to join the emperor's coven like that's right the, that's i a mean pretty it, it's, it's sort of like, like how you know in babylon 5 interplanetary expeditions is introduced in like one of the worst episodes <laughs> But this is, this is like, even if it is the worst episode, maybe, I think it is still definitely, I think, better than most other television and cartoons. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's above, yeah, it's above average. It's a lot of fun, and I, I enjoy it. Something, something ventured, ventured, something someone, framed. Someone framed. Someone. Yes, and this is directed by Sabrina Cotugno, Cotugno, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, story by <laughs> Zach Marcus, John Bailey Owen, Dan, Dana Terrace, and Rachel Vine. And teleplayed by Zach Marcus. And the uh, storyboard was done by Emmy Cesariga, who I need to know if she is a rel relative of Neil Cesariga. I uh, think Sabrina she might Cattuno. be, actually. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Madalena Flores and Chris Pianca. This aired March 13, 2020, production code 109, and it aired to 0.44 million viewers. So yeah, when a new member of the Human yes, Appreciation anyway, so Society, so Mathalo Mule, challenges Gus's leadership, Gus invites Luce to the Society's meetings and hijinks ensues. So yeah. Mytholomew is basically like, hey, I got these artifacts that are legit, totally yeah. human. And then Gus is like, yo, this shit, 
this shit ain't ain't human. And I love the part where he's like, "Fuck your rules." He's like, oh, "My babies, my, my rules." My old at my old school, we didn't have any rules. <laughs> God, you're such a bitch. <laughs> so Gus invites Luce to society's meeting to try and prove which artifacts are real and which yeah, ones aren't. And this is to get the ban lifted. And yeah, meanwhile, Ida had a conversation with Luce earlier in the episode. And is like, "I want to get into yeah, magic school. Yeah, because you know, school. I want to, I want to learn magic." And they. Because, you know, it's like, you know, you know, Gus, I'd love to, you know, go to Hexide. Better than, you know, stacking boxes in the Eda coven. First of all, <laughs> it's the, the bad girl, girl coven. coven. Second of all, I guess you don't want in on the t-shirt order. That bad girl <laughs> coven shirt is great. The mystery jack sells exist. one. And oh, it I, does? Yes. I, <gasps> I kind of want one. Yes, I want one too. So Metholomule <laughs> has loose taken to detention. Uh, yeah, well, which is well, well, because... a giant pit with worm creatures. Yeah, well, uh, well, a lot because of other Because she goes happen. in and then and then yeah, and then she gets caught, you know. Well, a lot of other things happen, but you're kind of jumping the game a bit here. Um, yes. So so basically, so so Gus lies and says that he got the band lifted after Luce stims Luce stims a lot and jumps around because she gets to see the school and save the president pre- to save the president, and I love Luce so much. But Gus yes. is still convinced that this plan will totally work. And- work even though willow is like no this is a terrible idea what are you doing yes. doing and gus disguises loose to get in under the guise of trying to be a showman which loose totally gets like you bring the razzle i'll bring the dazzle <laughs> and then, and then they, they hide her face with a cowl yeah what i want what i want to know is so she's, so Willow asks, like do you always have confetti on you what i want to know is so yes how much confetti because uh, presumably, either all of the stuff she has on her is either stuff she packed for camp, or she's been taking trips back to the human realm to get it, and somehow Camila has not noticed. No, I think that there's confetti in the magic world. Why wouldn't there be confetti in the magic world? I mean, yeah, but why does the confetti not scream then? No, not everything screams in the magic world. Well, the Chris. watch don't does. be stereotypical. Well, the watch does. <laughs> That watch well, is horrifying. <laughs> anyways, after that, uh, what happens next is Methalamule is like, hey, this is a human. And not yeah. just any human, this is loose. And yeah. Ida is visiting Principal Bump because and she, going through her permanent record. It's like, oh, you know, maybe Luce needs to draw her own conclusions. You know, hey, right. you taught me and I turned out just fine. I gotta get that girl yeah. into school. <laughs> so Ida is like, hey, I, I, Principal Bump takes out the entire permanent record. Bump is like, like, I thought it would have been bigger. All right. Bump is like, you know, I think the student body could benefit from having an exchange student like Luce. But, you know, there's a lot to be answered for on your giant permanent record. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, Luce gets uh, caught by the, uh, the, the, the guards that feed on trouble. That they they sense trouble. trouble. They, the like troubles... like dementors of trouble. No, because the thing is, the thing about the like the 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 these like trouble smellers is honestly they are both more effective and also kind of scarier than dementors when you think about it. Because like they they have because dementors dementors when you think because dementors were meant to be prison guards, right? So putting them in a school. Well, dementors was suck out. Really, so dementors a... suck out your happiness and your soul, just like reading J.K. Rowling's true. Twitter page. Exactly. And the problem with Dementors, I feel, is that, like, you put them in a school when they're supposed to be prison guards, and they just kill children? Like, 
This doesn't really feel like a, a good security. This feels like overkill for a school security system. <laughs> so what you're saying is killing children isn't scary, but getting detention is scary. Is that what well, you're saying? Considering that detention, well, maybe they're not as scary, but they're a more effective security. Chris, system. are you officially declaring yourself in favor of child murder? No, I am not in favor of child murder. Okay, good. Yeah. I also, one of my, this is one of my favorite visual gags in the whole show is so Ida has to clean up this hexed graffiti and it keeps moving around because it, because it's hexed and is trying to avoid it. And it eventually shifts to just say, mother, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, while Ida is visiting principal bump, they, they, they get thrown into, uh, they get thrown into basically detention, which is this giant mouth with bangs. How is this detention? This is a death sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and feeling and basically inside the detention it's kind of like the conformatorium they they have these little blob creatures yeah, that they, eat they, you and then you turn you into a, a, they get you get put into little pods where you're brainwashed right. to be a good student <laughs> and I gus gets it. himself in my will detained as well where the three of them need to work together to get out alive Yes. And this is the part where we find out Matholomew didn't have any friends back at his own school and made it all up in order to try and be cool in this school then meanwhile, Ida return. Ida is doing all this shit, you know, with the principal Bump, and Bump surprisingly agrees uh, on the condition Ida fixes every prank she pulled when she attended Hexide. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes, and she succeeds. And after Gus takes the blame, after they they crawl yeah, out, they, they escape. Crawl out they escape through detention Gus, through Gus's use you know? of illusions, because mm -hmm. um, uh, she ma he makes a bunch of illusions of himself and Luce to escape, and also uses the power of paperclips to 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 release Matt. Um, and they ev they eventually get out, but uh, out. But seeing that they've destroyed detention, Bump is initially like, "Okay, yeah, no, of course, I'm not going along with this. This was a terrible plan." But right. Gus owns up to, "Hey, this was my fault. Fault. Don't punish Luce." And so Luce officially gets to be enrolled at Hexide in the next semester, while Matt becomes apparently the president of the Human Appreciation Society because Bump Yay. is like, impressive, still alive. Um, yeah. And Bump promises to Ida to not tell the Emperor's Coven about Luce, which is I'm why the... Principal Bump is one of my favorite characters. I'm the principal, not a stooge. Matholomew <laughs> um, is also a great character. Yeah, um, and probably it, one and, of my favorites. Yeah, and um, it ends with know. a series of we a series of incident reports about Ida's time at Hexide, which yes. are one of the funniest jokes in the whole show, and you're probably not going to see it the first time because they go by <laughs> so fast. So if you'll give me the privilege, I have them open here on my computer. To, to, Why are you so privileged, Chris? If if you'll give me the privilege to to gift you these privilege wonderful the, yes incident <laughs> number five five two three. At 1,300 hours, Edel and Clawthorn of the Potions track let loose a pack of feral ghosts in the girls' locker room. They flew <laughs> around in circles, predicting students' doom and shouting out horrible puns like, What's a ghost's favorite pie? Booberry. We called <laughs> in a ragtag team of ghost blasters to clean them out, but they accidentally opened the door to the ghost dimension to, to threaten to overtake the city. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the next one after All right, that? Incident number... I'm sorry, there's... there's uh, Incident number three four two one. Uh, oh, damn it. Oh, I'm I'm very sorry. Hold on. Let me. I'm refreshing the page because there's something wrong with my. Uh, Chris, what the hell? Why are you refreshing a page? I don't. I don't know. It's there's. Okay, let me. All right, Chris there. is technologically uh, impaired. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. 
Okay. <laughs> so let me get the image back. I'm. You can edit this out. No, I'm gonna keep it in because okay. it's hilarious. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Wait. No. This is. This is not the right one. Okay. Chris, what the hell? Okay. Here we go. Okay. Be prepared. Okay. Uh. Fuck it. Okay. Uh, all right. Incident number three, four, two, one. At 1,200 hours, Edel and Clawthorn raised an army of abominations to start a food fight in the cafeteria after her sister Lilith's lunch money was stolen. The abominations then gained sentience and revolted against Edelin, forming into one giant abomination and taking over the school. Edelin, <laughs> Lilith, and the thief had to form an unlikely alliance to stop the giant abomination from destroying Hexide. Nice. And uh, episode oh, 10... Wait, hold on, there's still two more. There's still, oh, okay. there's still more. Incident number 9677. At 0900 hours, Edel and Clawthorn hexed the school bells to sing famous pop songs, Since You've Been Conned. It lasted uh -huh. for five hours and could only be stopped by pitting the school bells against each other in a fight over who's the better boy band, Babies to Boys or Two Seconds to New York. It was a horrible <laughs> day, but no one was allowed to go home early. <laughs> All right, on oh, to episode there's 10. Two, there's two more. <laughs> I thought you said there were two more, one more ago. I'm sorry, I was mistaken. Now there's two more. Incident number 2601. <laughs> at 1400 hours, Edelin Clawthorn was at it again. This time, she found two giant bug things that really just tore up the place. Oh man, I'm getting so tired of writing these things. And now I'm just writing down what I'm thinking. Well, I hope no one actually reads these. I should take a day off. It's been years since my overlords let me take a day off. And the last one. Uh, incident number 7622. At 1100 hours, Edelin Clawthorn let the school griffin out from its pen and fed its spicy snacks until it vomited all over the grudge field. Instead of cleaning it up, I ate a donut. My friends are always telling me I should practice self-care more often. And you know what? Why not? I deserve it. <laughs> nice. Okay, and episode 10 uh, well, is Can we talk about our overall man. thoughts on, on this episode? Yes, this is a great episode. Yeah, this is a really great episode. I think it's there's some interesting character development for Gus because he talks about how... Because he's actually... He's younger than all of the other ones because he moved up like two grades. Yes. Grades. But that's really hard for him because he's like overlooked and ignored for being younger. It's like, right. oh, shit. Relatable. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's some good stuff with Ida learning to, you know, let loose, draw her own conclusions, and actually learn real magic. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the thing I really liked about this episode was the fact that it really showed that Ida is taking on a very... Um, like parental role with loose and to the point where she will put her own hang-ups aside so, for to, whatever for, will for make whatever her happy best for loose because she even yes. sees like she even sees like the other kids being like you know friendship is the real magic it's like they're just as bad as loose she'd love it here like <laughs> yes here and but and she even you know gets to have a little talk with her you know i'm only doing this because you know i i trust you i know you're not dumb enough to fall for the one witch one coven nonsense but you can learn and learn a lot from these people, and maybe teach them some of that bad girl coven magic, too. <laughs> yes. And, and uh, the episode's you know, great. It's really great. It's a really great episode. Some interesting plot developments, because Luce is going to be going to Hexide, which will come into play more in the second half, and, you know, the Gus character development, the introduction of Mule, who will come back in Season 2, and some really fun illusion magic, and more exploration of Hexide itself, Eda character development, bump character development some really really funny stuff especially with those incident reports and the bump was not exaggerating you were a terrible student <laughs> yes and yeah i really love this episode and i think it's great and and on to episode 10 <laughs> episode 10 yes 
Uh, Escape from the Palace Men, directed by Aminder Dalawal. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your name. Story by Dana Terrace, teleplay by John Bailey Owen, Dana Terrace, and Rachel Vine. And storyboard by Inval Breda, Bosuk Bo, uh, Coburn, Aminder Dalawal, Ben Holm, and Amelia Lorenz. And this premiered March 20th, 2020. Production number 108. So this was actually made before Something Ventured Something Framed. Someone. And... That's what I said. And <laughs> it premiered to 0.52 million viewers. So yeah, when yes, so, Edith begins to yes, feel so, the anyways, effects of her curse, opens, she decides to take a rest. This episode opens. <laughs> and then Zeus has to episode, do stuff to try anyways, and make sure that you know, she hey, doesn't turn into an evil monster. We agreed that I was doing the summers. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm giving you the basic synopsis. Anyway, so this episode opens with... Luce and Ida watching over King at the demon playground as Luce's parental instincts freak out and King is all like, you know, this is a throne worthy of a tyrant on the fucking slide. Like, bow to me, you snotty underlings! Bow! And then he gets pushed down the slide by a kid with a snotty nose and he's like, that monster took my throne! You mean the baby? No, the usurper! I want you to go <laughs> over there and blow him up! Kaboom! And then we are, of course, introduced to the idea that uh, Albert, Ida Staffhead, is actually something called a palisman, which yes. all witches have on the heads of their staff. Lore. And, you know, Lore. that Ida made herself from the branch of an ancient tree. And I mean, the owls are not what they seem. Yeah. I also love King's squeak of rage. <laughs> yes. And uh, Luce meets up with Willow and Gus to see a Grugby match a between grugby. Hexide and Glandis. And I like the scene where they find out that, like, hey, you know, Luce, you're kind of wearing Glandis colors. And she's like, oh, damn it. And then she's like, where is it? And it's like all the way over there. It's like, oh, typical Glandis. Uh, uh, all the way over there. Yeah, because I love how Luce is immediately, like, super enthusiastic about the whole school spirit thing. Because I feel like this is kind yes. of the first time that Luce has been able to actually care about school like <laughs> so yeah and they miss the bus so Luce decides to use Ida's staff to fly there but of course she isn't supposed to use the staff because she's not very well yeah, trained well, and because, how to use the staff well because she well because after because after she goes to the lost and found to get hexide stuff you know where mouth guards go to retire um right they see that the bus left so that so Ida so Luce goes back like I oh just I could that. maybe borrow her staff but that's not actually going to happen because Ida has now turned into the owl beast beast. Um, but King, who is still trying to get revenge on the usurper, um, he's even come up with an elaborate plan. Fire question mark. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, but, uh, but decides and then to use meanwhile, the owl beast instead because yes. it's still because she's still susceptible to commands. So yes. King, in order to prevent Luce from figuring out, is just like, just take the staff. It's fine. It's fine. Our generous, kind hearted Ida. Big heart on her. <laughs> yeah, and, and then he uses uh, Ida in monster form to try and take over the playground. And meanwhile, uh, Luce crashes into a tree, resulting in Albert cracking his head and running away. And he's like, oh, no, because he's now mad at Luce because Luce uh, was being too reckless. And the kids yeah. run into the Bat Queen. It's a little weird to see the Bat Queen become a recurring character. I thought she was a one-off thing. But yeah. who's protecting well, because, Albert well, also, and giving Luce a series of trials to win yeah. his trust back. Because one of the things we forgot to mention at the end of Lost in Language... Like, uh, Ida gives, the Bat Queen gives Ida a whistle that's like, you know, four troubles, Ida is owed one. And mm -hmm. which, it, which is sort of, that hasn't yet been resolved. And I feel like that's going to be like end of series payoff. Like, I'm not sure. Well, like, anyway, King, uh, yeah. 
what happens next is basically they go through all these trials yeah, to try they, and, you know, uh, regain they, Albert's trust. Yeah. Which the, which Luce eventually does, all of them, but then the Bat Queen's like, hey, I don't trust y'all because guess what? You. I'm a palisman too, and I, I was mistreated by a yeah. giant. And you, and details because the reason she the reason loose discovered is that is that during their fight she looks on she sees her feet and she sees that she has an interlock which albert also has which means she can only lock onto a specific staff if you go back to lost in language and you look at bat queen shuffling through the door for a few frames you look at her feet that interlock is there it was how much up. time do you have i've watched this show many times <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, King finds Ida. I just love that attention to detail. Form. Like yes, and, and Ida is like half in the form and half not, yeah, which half makes her form. susceptible. And we, she goes on, you know, the rampage in the in it's the like, in the kindergarten park. Yes, and so he tries to use the elixir on her, but it has no effect. Not so tough you know. now, you spongy hatchlings! I will eat you. Yes, and uh, knowing it's Ida's favorite thing for him to do, and a last ditch effort for him to try and get the real Ida back, King does his. Rage squeal, snapping Ida back to normal, and then she's like, oh, that's hilarious. And she was uh, captured by animal control at this point, well, I, so then the two of them escape. What I love about the animal control is that they're actually the demon hunters from Hootie's Moving Hassle, because apparently they got fired after the right. Hootie incident, and they're like, look, and the, and the lead guy's like, this job is all we have, so I want to see happy faces, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and then the two of them smile, and then don't smile even worse. Yeah, and I, then, also uh... love, I also love how, like, when Ida gets captured, and the 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 snotty nosed kid comes back, and he's like, "Your pride has destroyed you. The throne <laughs> belongs to me now. Yes, go and forfeit your reign." <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, at the same time, uh, one of my favorite uh, moments is when Ida is uh, outside, and she's like, "They're like, have you seen a monster?" And she's like, "No, you mean one that looks exactly like me?" No, no I haven't. No, I haven't seen. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I also love uh, as as when they're first entering. This jumping back a bit, but I love when they first enter Bat Queen's cave and they're just like, "I'm stepping on a lot of crunchy twigs. Those are those bones, are bones, Willow. Not if I never look down." <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, when Luce realizes that the Bat Queen was once a palisman and has been protecting uh, the Albert, also, both Albert as well as all of all uh, other like abandoned and forgotten palismen. It's like, you know, Luce's like, you know, what you're doing here is really good. But also, you know, like, Albert does have someone who loves him very much. And I I think he should come home now. Backwing's like, mm. okay. Yes, and the queen lets him go. As everyone heads home, Ida realizes the elixir is becoming less effective. Plot. Plot. And yeah, and this episode is fantastic. It's definitely one of my favorites. It was a little interesting seeing the Bat Queen come back because I wasn't expecting her to come back. Um, besides that, the side plot about uh, you know using Ida's monster form to conquer the playground is fantastic. I love King's plot in this, and I think the loose uh, interactions with Willow and Gus are fantastic. And I also love the part at the end where they're like, "Yeah, this is better than any Grugsby game." Grugsby game, you know. I'm, I'm slightly traumatized. I'm slightly traumatized. <laughs> So yeah, the episode's fantastic. Chris, what do you think of Escape of the Palace? I think Escape of the Palace is a really great episode. You know, I love the B-plot of King trying to conquer the playground and his rivalry with the Usurper and, you know, Ida's Owlbeast form. I I enjoy the main plot of Luce, you know, trying to reconnect with Albert and the bonding between them as well as the further bonds between Willow and Gus and her starting to get into the 
school spirit of Hexide, like, you know, like, since I found a little something called Hexide Pride, <laughs> to think that Glandis, whoever they are, would dare face us. <laughs> and, you know, that's yes. a lot of fun. I like the callback to the Boo Boo Buddy Club, because mm -hmm. they put the Band-Aid on, on Albert. I, Bert, well, it's a lot of, a lot of fun. There's some interesting lore developments, and I also really like at the very end of the episode when Bat Queen's babies just eat that eat the book. <laughs> yes. And so, uh, yeah. should we talk about our overall thoughts on the the first half of this season, these first ten episodes? Um, it's great. Yeah, I think I think this is a great uh, start. It is definitely it's a little more episodic than uh, some of the later stuff, but there's still a lot of really interesting plot and character developments. Well, here's the thing is that job. all all new cartoons that happen to have an overarching plot use what I call Babylon 5 plotting, <laughs> which is where you have slowly episodic and then have small things interconnect until you realize they're all part of a larger story. So what you're saying is that like, because every, everyone thinks, oh, it started with steven universe or it started no with Gravity it started Ball. with babylon 5 but but it really or or it started with the spectacular spider-man or something like that or, but really it started with, with like babylon 5 <laughs> right i mean babylon 5 really kind of started a lot of things you know i mean arguably the golden age of television uh you know serialized science fiction television as a genre space opera tv but you know that's not battlestar galactica <laughs> You know, it did a, it did a lot of shit. You know, and, yeah. and one of the things that was interesting is that is the way that, like the cartoons, these cartoons, um, it used its first season as a Trojan horse for plot. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, these are all these episodic adventures. Only not really. They're going to be super important. They're going to be important later. And yeah, yeah, and the Owl House does that exact thing. And you know, I love all these characters. I love Luce and you know. The positive neurodivergent representation and later on more explicitly the positive bisexual representation i think seeing all these different this this world and all these different characters like ida and king and amity and willow and gus like it's it's just it's so much fun i love this world i love these stories even though it's and this is only and this is just the tip of the iceberg because like there's a there's a lot of stuff we're gonna get into as the as the series goes on <laughs> and that's a lead-in uh, what are we doing next week well next week well technically next week you're on vacation so yes there won't actually be a new episode next week but two weeks from now um we're upending things a little bit because it's not going to be a roulette like it would usually be because we had some weird schedule finagling when we decided to split the owl house but yes. speaking of that split two weeks from now we will talking about the second half of Owl House Season 1, where things really start to rev up. <laughs> yes. And that should, that should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to talking about that. And Chris, where can they find you on the internet? Yes. So anyways, this has been Hipster and the Nerd. We do this every week. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much all your major podcast platforms. Please leave us a nice five-star review. Spread the word on social media. Share it with all your friends. Hashtag hipster and the nerd. Help us grow the show. We very much appreciate it. I am Chris Hanna. You can find me at MegaNerd98 on Twitter and on Letterboxd. You can also find me on my WordPress page, MegaNerd's Musings. Currently home of Amphibia and Owl House fanfiction, and it will eventually be home to other things when I have time to write because I'm currently unemployed, trying to find a job. 
that's kind of taking precedent at the moment, not going to lie. Right. But And you can also find me on the TOH Musical Project Discord, because if you, if you listen to this whole episode, you're probably a big fan of the Owl House. So you might be interested in being part of an original fan-produced musical episode of the show. And if you want to be a part of that, then join TOH, the, the TOH Musical Project server on Discord. Yeah. So, Brian, where can they find you? You can find me at, uh, not at your local video store anymore because mine closed, but you can find uh, me uh, on Twitter at Brian Brecker. You can find me on Letterboxd at bbreck2, or you can find me buying laser discs off eBay. All right. And also enjoying the Owl House. Yeah. And Twin Peaks. Stream, the owls are not what yeah. they seem. Stream the Owl House on Disney Plus because that's the way. Because the, the Disney or we'll Plus break numbers, your legs. Because the Disney Plus numbers are the most important. So if they see that it's that that a lot of we'll people stream your it, knees. they might make more of it. So so do it or we'll break your kneecaps and put we'll, you in yeah. debt. <laughs> Just exactly. like Tom Nook. <laughs> anyway, this has been. Anyways, the thank nerd. you everybody. Thank you for listening. For listening. Give us a five-star review. Give us a, give us a, yeah, give us a five-star review, as I mentioned. Give us a six-star review. Give us a six to seven. Twelve. Break the internet. Twelve stars. Twenty you know, stars. We, can we get a 50-star review? 50 stars. 50. 50. 50. 100. 100 stars. 100 stars. If we don't have 10,000 stars <laughs> by the next two weeks, we riot. <laughs> We All will right. storm the Apple podcast offices. We will storm Applebee's. <laughs> Applebee's. Applebee. Wait, what is Applebee's? We will storm Applebee's. Wait, what does Applebee's have to do? Look, I'm fine. We will with... seize the means of Applebee's. Okay, okay, okay. Brian, I'm uh, Brian. I love your enthusiasm. But what exactly is the relevancy of Applebee's? It's, Chris, it's only a matter of time. I mean, they can fair... only push us so far. Yeah, but like Brian, Brian, do we have really... you eaten at Applebee's? Do we really want to go to my? Do we really want to go Minority Report on Applebee's? Yes. I mean, okay. Applebee's is Applebee's. I mean, is yes. to Diners, what <laughs> Hot Topic is to Goth culture? I mean, look, yes, Applebee's is far too expensive for the quality of food their food they they sell. It's not bad food, but like, and if we and if we and we take over Applebee's, we take over. Applebee's. We can really provide something for the community. If we, what if we take by making o- better food? What if we take over Applebee's and we rebrand it as Apple Bloods? Yes, and we make it an Owl House novelty restaurant. <laughs> This is the plan. This is the plan. I, I, and, and the, and uh, we need ten thousand uh, stars to do this. I, I was initially hesitant, but now I'm fully on board with this. But yes. anyways, thank you everybody. Seize the means of Applebee's. Thank you everybody for listening. Hoot hoot! Seize the means of Applebee's. Be gay, do witchcraft, and we will see yes. you next time.